Hi, my name's Catherine Mary Stewart, and you're listening to Draw One Last Breath Podcast. Hi, I'm Serena Vincent, and you're listening to Draw One Last Breath. Hello, this is Eleanor Matsura from The Walking Dead, and welcome to Draw One Last Breath, the horror podcast. This is Dan Fogler. You must draw one last breath. Hi, I'm Shauna McDonald, and you're listening to Draw One Last Breath podcast. Hi, this is James Jude Courtney, and you're listening to Draw One Last Breath horror podcast. Hi, I'm David Naughton, and you're listening to Draw One Last Breath. Beware the moon. This is Adrienne Barbeau, your nightlight, and you're listening to Draw One Last Breath. Hi, this is Kane Hodder. You're listening to Draw One Last Breath. Keep listening. Hi, we're the Saskia Sisters. Listen to Draw One Last Breath Horror Podcast. Yeah! Welcome to Draw One Last Breath Horror Podcast. My name is Matt. And I'm Paul. Welcome to the episode 100. We finally got there. And on this episode, we have been to the cinema to watch Ty West's newest movie, X. We've got our summit to scream about. And Geordie Paul will be uh, setting us some tasks with, to do with top trumps. We'll tell you about that later. Our movie from the vault is Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. How are you? Woo! Episode 100, man. Fucking do a little dance and shit. And we've got two very special guests. That's right, Mr. Butch, haven't we? Yeah, let's uh, introduce them, shall we? We've got um, Alleyway John. I mean, Alley Cat John. (laughs) (laughs) Alley Cat John. You right, John? How you doing, bud? Yeah, I'm all right. It's good to be back on. It's nice. Hello. Which which was the episode you did? We did. You you recommended The Fly. Yeah. But can't remember... (laughs) What did you review? No, we reviewed The Fly. Reviewed The Fly. And I recommended uh, Henry Portrait of Serial Killer. Oh, yeah. Great pick. (laughs) Yeah, I enjoyed that one. You might get the sequel when when this is finished. (laughs) (laughs) And, of course, uh, Geordie Paul, how you been, bud? You all right? Back on again. No car fucking today there, yeah? (laughs) That's it. He can't get rid of me. He can't get rid of me. Yeah, I'm all good. I'm all good. Good to be on. Good to be on. Good to see you. The scoper of cars. The scorer of cars, yes. <laughs> right. Has anyone watched anything decent over the last, you know, couple of weeks to, in horror in the in horror town? You know, because I have. <laughs> of course you have. <laughs> <laughs> well, I uh, just I'll go because my list obviously won't be as long. But I watched uh, it dropped on an FX the other day, so I watched it again. It chapter two, mm. and Ooh, yeah. uh, watched that again and enjoyed it again and do you know what right i just want to affair with oscar season coming around how he never got considered for any acting award for that like i know it's a horror film and i know they don't get the prop proper recognition awards but he created like such an iconic character like for the pressure he was up against competing with tim curry for pennywise how he didn't get a nod for acting i have no idea anyway so what's that and then um 
Yeah, um, I started watching on Disney Plus The Stream. Has anyone seen that? Yes, I watched I've that a couple book. of months ago and read the book. The book's good. But the TV shows, they've what? There's three seasons of it? I think there's four now, but so I'm, I'm nearly finished the first series. I'm sort of plodding along with it. So it, it's all right. It's a bit. I, I, I started really enjoying it. Then it's gone a bit like Buffy the Vampire Slayer a bit. So I'm just sort of waiting for it to sort of. I don't know, come back around. So I don't know, I'm on the fence, but I'll, I'll keep you updated with my progress on that one. So that was it for horror. Oh, okay. John, you got anything you've been watching anything lately, mate? Uh, yeah, I've been watching a bunch of old stuff again. Like, because um, my, my new partner, she's very much into horror, but like mostly modern horror. She doesn't really know much about like the 70s and 80s or like the, you know, the vintage classics. So we've been uh, watching some of them recently like revisiting some of them that's quite good like she's watched killer clowns for the first time the other night <laughs> what does she think of that she fucking loves it so far, like been the one that she's put like right at the top you know she thinks that's the best and then the other night we watched we watched the fun house because you guys covered it on the show and uh she loved that one as well but you guys are way too harsh gave it like a solid eight out of ten <laughs> <laughs> And um, Day of the Dead, we watched George Romero's Day of the Dead yeah. the same night. Nice. She thought Funhouse is better than that. So Really? What did she like about Funhouse? I just thought he wasn't just great. The aesthetics of it all and just like the general feel and the carnival nature and how it's like... Yeah, it's dirty, isn't it? Yeah, and like the creature, she really thought the creature was quite unique and stuff. And she said there's probably a lot going on in it that you kind of miss, like on your initial watch, if you watch mm-hmm. it closely. Like, I think there's even like... it's a you know, suggested that there's something going on with the with the carnies, like they're fucking the cows and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I, might, I might have to watch it again if there's some weird, weird shit that I didn't notice. Fucking hell. Look at the creature and the two-headed cow and stuff. They're quite oh, shit, yeah. similar. Oh, fuck. Yeah. It's just made that dark. <laughs> and nothing nice. in it is super twisted. Like the bit when, like, the guy pulls up to him on the on the side of the road when he's walking to the fun fair and he just pulls a shotgun on him for no reason. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shits and giggles. And then when, like, he's in the fun fair and stuff and then, like, a guy comes along and says, oh, you lost and stuff and takes him into his office. He's, like, proper patting him and saying, there, 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 there. Like, he's a, a proper pedo and stuff. <laughs> like, <laughs> wow, Matt, we didn't explore the pedo route. That's, that's <laughs> unbelievable. I'm that you didn't post. <laughs> I was about to say it's the first time. <laughs> Yeah, it's just it's proper dark, you know. It's like more than you think. I mean, it's it's quite. I guess it's quite tame. I guess you quite. You know, that's a fair, uh, you know, comment when you think it's like Toby Hooper and mm. stuff. Like you think it'd be more visceral. But then at the same time, like Texas Chainsaw is all about atmosphere and stuff. It's not really that nasty either, you know. It's true. Just, just weird. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. So, but yeah, she so enjoyed that. And uh, we watched. What did we watch? Because we watched like a couple of more than one ones. There was one called like the boy in the hole in the ground or something. Yeah. Oh yeah, the Irish one. Yeah. I'm sorry, mate, but that 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 one sucked balls, man. That's <laughs> 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 that's what's kind of spurred me into watching some of the old stuff. I was like, nah, this is not. Yeah. <laughs> I John, did you watch the Texas Chainsaw remake? I oh yeah, we yeah we watched that and um, initially quite enjoyed it. I think off the bat, but then the more it sat with me, the more I was like, nah, that could have been like so much better, you know. When you really like dissected it, and especially after listening to like Matt's scathing review on the <laughs> he really he didn't like it, did he? 
<laughs> yeah, I sat back and I was like, you know what? He's right. That fucking sucked when you really think about it. You know? <laughs> I kind of knew it was going to be bad going in, and I think that was probably it because I like such low expectations. And when I watched it, it was kind of fun, I guess. Like, it's just a throwaway slasher. But when you think about what it could have been, you know what I mean? And like the legacy it's supposed to be following up, it's just like it fell well short of like what it should have been. True. I just yeah. thought it was a medial, like it was just a normal film, but why the hell strap it to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and uh, make a completely different type of film? Was, yeah, I mean, the film we're going to cover in a minute, X felt way more like Texas Chainsaw Massacre than that movie did, I thought. You know? Yeah, 100%. Agreed, agreed. Yeah, well, that's well, that's busy, mate. It's not as busy as me. I haven't been that busy, mate. Like, you know, I've been watching some shit TV series and stuff like that. But um, I did watch uh, Fresh on uh, Disney Plus with um, oh, what's this? Uh, the guy who played Tommy, Sebast- Sebastian Stan, and um, Daisy Edgar Jones is her name. She, or uh, Daisy Edgar is Jones, isn't it? She's in Normal People, um, which was fucking great. TV show, but <laughs> no, she she kept her clothes on. Um, but it's a good, it's sort of like rom con, rom conish, and it's like they're they're meeting on Tinder. And she's trying to get a date, and then suddenly, from nowhere, he's a fucking I don't know human centipede doctor. He's like keeping girls in the his cellar, um, taking bits off them to sell to. Rich people. I won't bother watching that one then. Mate, it's the journey. Whoever's listening must have thought, oh brilliant, cheers. <laughs> the, the little idea of well, it's, it's it's um it's in the title, mate, you know, but um Is it? fresh. Definitely. I mean you don't know what you you do you do know what you're walking into. It's but it's it's a, like Hannibal Lecter sort of weird twist and stuff. Like <laughs> right, just stop spoiling it. <laughs> no. <laughs> but you gotta go and watch it because it's well acted, well executed, a really good production and stuff. Like that. And it's first time director as well, so mm-hmm. quite impressed as well that Disney Plus have actually come up with something new and original from a horror perspective. So I quite liked it. Um, but yeah, that's about it. I haven't really watched much else. I've been watching cartoons. So cartoons. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Matt? You've been off with COVID, so you yeah, must take VHS. <laughs> yeah you think i would have like knuckled down and watched some horror but literally I, i've been really lame and um just been like watching star wars co- co- cartoons <laughs> there's nothing lame about that matthew <laughs> yeah yeah sorry sorry to interject that was funny as well it's just like coincidence we watched doctor sleep last week as well just like without even knowing that we was going to cover Shining ah, nice. and because of the Obi Wan Kenobi trailer that drops, didn't it? And I was like, yes. Oh, yeah, so we revisited Doctor Sleep, and that's a fucking good movie. That's a shame that that didn't do more correctly. Oh, yeah, it's criminal that because again, I, I watched the free, <laughs> I think it was three hour director's cut that's on Amazon, yeah, for a laugh. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the one we watched actually, the director's cut, yeah, because I wanted to see what the difference was. Um. Did you know it's much different? It seemed, the only thing I've, I've it's thought, about ten minutes in it. Yeah, the only thing that really stood out to me, which I didn't notice this in the cinema, which seemed really dark, is you know when he has all these ghosts that revisit him and stuff. He seems yeah. to have the ghost of the girl and her and her child when he has that massive bender and he wakes up and there and she's just like she's passed out and she's vomited in the bed and stuff and he's going to nick her money. But they come back to him as a ghost. Does that mean they're like, dead? That's that means they're dead, right? Yeah. 
And the kid says to him, oh, I'm still waiting to be found. Nobody's come to find me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, fuck, that is so dark. So, like, yeah. you literally died after their bender and he just fucked off and left them there. Yeah. I probably didn't know they were dead, but that's pretty dark. That, that kid's just been just there when it's owned the whole time and just died, died of, like, malnutrition or something, you know? It's pretty... Jeez, I don't remember dark. that being in the theatrical cut. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think that was. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, it's but... in the book, though, she, he died. The kid dies. Oh, is it? Oh, there we go. So oh. when, okay, that's fucking. That's made it a lot better, even better. What? A, so. <laughs> yeah, it's a. I enjoyed Doctor Sleep. I, I, cause I hated the book. I really didn't enjoy the book at all. But oh. the, the film was really good. Right. Yeah, I've heard that because it's quite a, it's quite a, a dramatic change, isn't it? When I mean, you think you're gonna do like a sequel to The Shining. A film about energy vampires is not really what you think you're gonna expect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's just it's written quite um, for me like you know thinking can be quite dense, and it's just written a bit pulpy. And I just did. I thought no, I wasn't expecting The Shining, but it it was like very light, a very light book. Okay, it was a bit of a dark subject matter, but it was a bit yeah, it was a bit too fluffy for us. Is it? Yeah. That's, I, I just didn't get on with it. But then the film, I was pleasantly surprised. So, But Mike Flanagan's knocking it out of the park at the minute, isn't he? So. Yeah. Midnight Mass recently was fucking brilliant as well. Yeah. Yeah. Love that's that. Insanely good. Insanely good. Cool. Busy, busy, busy. That's good. Lots of shit going on. Right. Shall we um, get on to some news, Matt? You got any news for us? I've literally got one little bit of news, really, um, that I found online. Um, so... You guys all watch Mandy? Yes. Nicholas Cage at his best. <laughs> yeah. So there's another film coming from the direct director Panos Cal- Cosmatos. <laughs> I can't fucking say shit. I, yeah. I, I wasn't going to touch that bit. New <laughs> <laughs> so apparently he is bringing up another movie. It's going to be a brand new sci-fi fantasy horror movie titled Necroism. Necrosism, something like that, officially <laughs> announced today. That is, um, so it, it's it fucking sounds wacky as anything. So I'm going to try and say this word as well. I picked all the big words: phantasmagorical fantasy nightmare, oh, cool. set deep within a strange galaxy where two lovers are torn apart and they try to survive a malevolent invasion. But you know oh. that's going to be fucking whacked out. <laughs> that's pretty wild. <laughs> I'm all for that. Horror in space, man. Like, yeah. after watching, like, Psycho Gorman and shit like that, and even that weird... Do you remember that weird um, one that we watched on Digital Fright Fest that was, like, uh, they were in, like, ships and stuff, and then they were stranded on a on a planet. And she was, like, fighting a weird... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Dune Drifter. Dune Drifter, mate. Really good film. So, all That's what I'm going to that. Or it could be more more of a life force kind of thing. Ooh, a life force. That'd be cool. Yeah. That's yeah, that life force is a banger. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. I like that. Sound up. Well, you know, keeping on the, the shining trip, bit of shining news. Uh, mm. Ben Siller is in talks to play Jock, Jack Torrance in the Shining stage adaptation. So I can see that. He's got a kind of... I mean, as a Jack Nicholson lookalike, we could get away with it. Um, better, mm. He'll probably do a better job than the guy in Doctor Sleep. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, that's that, was, that, was, uh, that was Elliot from E.T. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah I know, but <laughs> it just didn't feel right. But no. I don't know. Things this time watching it, I thought really stood out. I just like, I wish they hadn't. I just not had a minute, you know, just the Jack Nicholson bit. Just like just you can't really recast Jack Nicholson. It's really yeah. difficult, isn't it? So it's just like absolutely. Uh, I don't know. I just had him in like a reflection. There's one bit when they're talking in the bathroom and you just see him in the mirror behind him and stuff, but out of focus. Something mm-hmm. like that would have been better. Yeah, true. 100%. Um, that'd, be, that'd be interesting because the see if still has got the chops to go crazy. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, you've you, you not seen that mystery man. <laughs> mystery man. Oh, my God. <laughs> Great film. <laughs> I watched uh, Fockers the other night. That was on TV. Jesus. <laughs> Got another one. So Christina Ricci um, will start in Tim Burton's Adam's Family series, uh, but not as obviously Wednesday because that's obviously already been cast and she's too old, although doesn't look it. So I don't know. Um, she's playing a new character basically in the Adam's Family series. It's nice to have a cameo. I like the fact that they brought her back. So I kind of like that stuff. Um, do you remember the thing we found on Shudder a couple of years ago? Scare package. Yep, I've seen that. Yeah, and it was like a anthology series set in a VHS store. Was that right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So doing another one, another scare package. Um, and so scare package to Red Chad's Revenge. But the news that I thought I shared is Jed Shepard has been picked up to do one of the um the films in it, and he's brought back his sort of original cast from Host, which is fucking cool. So all the girls are back, and whatever he's going to be doing in it. So that'd be worth a shout, and that'd be going that on. Must have been the thing he was working on just after we chatted to him. Yeah, it must have been. So there's a whole host of other directors, but I thought I'd pick him out because you know he, he was on the pod. They haven't been, so just thought I'd sell him. <laughs> um, whilst we um, watched the lovely X last night, um, there was a wicked trailer for a, a movie that I'd never, I don't think we talked about before, called Men. Um, I thought the trailer was fucking dark. A24 again as well, isn't it? A24 again, yeah. Um, Alex Garland. Well, actually, Paul, uh, Alex I, Garland, I, I believe yeah. I spoke about this the last time I was on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't retain anything. <laughs> yeah, it's the Alex Garland film. It looks yeah. mental. It looks really, really uh, crazy. Yeah, so he's the guy who did Ex Machina and Annihilation. Okay, now I do remember <laughs> well, you might talk Whatever the fuck. comes so, back. There you go, so... It's been talked about before, but the trailer was fucking awesome. Um, it looks just, it didn't give anything away. It just looks weird, but it's been rated R for disturbing context and graphic nudity. So, gets my vote. <laughs> <laughs> and it's got a release date of May 20th. So, that will be, a few, I think that will be a future watch if it gets to the cinema, which is being advertised at Cineworld. So, fingers crossed. <laughs> But that's it. That's it for the news. Unless you've always got any, John's Paul. Uh, yeah, just one other thing. There's this uh, company. They've been kind of like quiet for the longest time now, about a year or so. But uh, no, it's just Ali Cat Graphics is back on. This. <laughs> Some good stuff. So, you know, everybody listening, you should get on that internet and treat yourself to something nice. You know, just because they they do some good stuff there. Alicat Graphics. I've heard about that little company. Good, yeah, some, some kind of shop, yeah, shops, real diehard horror fanatic stuff. You know, it's really cool. So, and he's been teasing the the Texas Chainsaw VHS set, which looks fucking amazing. Yeah. So, you want to get on that? 
Yeah, don't miss out on that one because I've got a feeling that I'll be gone pretty quick. This one, don't worry about the cost of living and all that nonsense. You go out and treat yourself to something nice, so you know, brighten up your day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, new, the one that I saw recently was fucking caught my eye was the season for, season of the witch fucking pins. Oh, oh. Sexy fucking pins they are. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Scream one as well, John. To be fair, scream one. Yeah. Knocking out the park, mate. Cheers. No, no, it's been it's been good to get back in action finally. You know, uh, it's been a bit of a crazy time in the last couple of the years, but it's been nice to get back in the hot seat, hot seat, and get some stuff out. It's been good. So can't yeah. wait to see more stuff, mate. Can't wait. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, I'm looking to forward to doing the uh, cons and stuff again this year. So yeah, you, you got any you, set up yet? Yeah, you got any? You got any on the on the cards? Um, got the one in Sheffield lined up um, for Horicon. Um, and that was booked from two years ago, so they just like moved the booking over. Brilliant. And uh, London Film and Comic Con in July booked as well. So. You're going for it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that, that's nice. that's usually my favourite one out of the bunch, to be honest. Um, I have quite a lot of fun at that one. Um, it's a good venue as well, isn't it? Yeah, it's mad. It's just so busy. Like the whole weekend, weekend. It's really good. Um. And I don't know what's happening with the, for the love of horror. That's 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 quite the hot t- um, event at the minute. It's hard to get in now. So, <laughs> and I think well, I've kind of been like out of action for a while. I think they're already fully booked. So, like literally, like their tickets, like the pitches instantly sell out. So, I don't really know what's happening with that one. But yeah. brilliant news. Well, good. Shocking. Get on it, guys. We're going to that. Buy, just buy a ticket, John. Just buy a general ticket. Just oh, go to Big Hunter. <laughs> yeah, put, put them inside the jacket. <laughs> I'll sell any pins. We'll come well up, yeah. Like Del Boy. Just bust out the suitcase coming Yeah. <laughs> you can just see you're running away, like, out the fire exit with it over your shoulder. Get him. Yeah. And that's the funny thing, you can go and like you can take a bunch of uh, um costumes with you and just go around and then go back in again as dressed as someone else and do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Take us with you, we'll sell you pins for you, yeah. like, there you go. <laughs> just hit them from all angles. <laughs> yeah. Nah, that wasn't me, that was Michael Myers. What, <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Geordie Paul? Uh just a um just the and uh, there's a comedy well i didn't know it was a comedy series until today but there's a, a series based on uh, the character from dracula renfield yeah um and there was shots of nicholas cage rocking around as uh, dracula in his <laughs> it big red skin. Fucked, didn't it? <laughs> the pictures it looked like uh, you know, like do it yourself dracula i would love to just spend a day in the brain of nicholas cage i just think it would be well he's got that movie coming out like yeah. next month hasn't he like, is that the one where he's playing a guy who's he's playing Nicolas Cage who has to play Nicolas Cage in another film? Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, I get that right. Yeah. Well, I think he's just playing Nicolas Cage who's meeting a guy who wants to hire Nicolas Cage. He just wants to hang out with him. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> I'm on for it. Right, Matt, you got anything before we go to our main review? Yes, I have. I've got I've got a little thing I'd like to talk about. We had an email which was strange. We don't get a lot of emails, but we did get an email um, from one of our fans. Well, fan. He's a friend, friend as well. Um, but I'm just going to read it out just before we go on because I thought it was really nice of him to reach out and tell us this because it's, it's, I'll read it and you can have a listen real quick. Dear Matt and Paul, many congratulations on reaching your 100th episode of Draw One Last Breath Horror Podcast. I got into the podcast relatively early on after chatting to Matt in the shop where I work, about horror films after purchasing a copy of The Endless. 
the rest is history. I've really enjoyed every episode, particularly interviews you've done with my favourite. My favourite review was Robert, <laughs> which had me rolling around with laughter in the dark days of the first lockdown. <laughs> I also ought to mention Hooking the Puss, which left me speechless and, I've, <laughs> and has become the stuff of legends. <laughs> Thanks for covering my two suggestions uh, for Movie from the Vault. Uh, namely Dead Heat and Waxwork. I'll certainly have some more suggestions soon, whether you like it or not. Looking forward to the future, and I'd love to hear you cover more Italian and Asian horror. Uh, and how about a feature on horror film soundtracks? Got a point. Anyway, many congratulations again, and here's to the next 100. All the best, Simon. Oh, so Simon cheers, Simon. And they were they were some good picks there. I mean, Waxwork was fucking batshit, but like <laughs> Dead Heat was generally just like astonishingly yeah. good. It was so ridiculous. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I just thought I'd uh, say that out because that's cool to get that. Okay, so now it's time for our movie review. Paul, it's over to you. Farmer's daughter, take one. I need to be famous, Wayne. All the best people are. There ain't nobody else out there like you. You know why? Why? Because you got that X factor. Our days of struggling may soon be over. Hollywood, here we come. I just want me. So this is it. Our own studio backlog. I'm looking for a place to stay. Oh, yes, sir. That's one ugly song, bitch. Okay, this episode's main review is the movie, the latest movie from Ty West's X, uh, it's called. That's That's the title. Um, I was thinking to myself, it could have been, I was, I've, I got Roman numerals wrong. I thought, oh, this is really apt. It's like we're doing episode 100 and we've got the Roman numeral X. And I realised it was 10. <laughs> you need to watch it 10 times, Paul. Ah, there we go. So here's a little uh, synopsis. Um, it's the end of the 70s and a group of young filmmakers set out to make an adult film in rural Texas. But when their reclusive elderly hosts start to want to get in on the act, the cast can't find the cast find themselves fighting for their lives. So X, right? You two boys, John, Paul, you both watched it last Friday. Yeah. So let's yeah. let's go to John. What did you? Uh, What's your immediate thoughts on this one? Um, well, I've been thinking about it ever since last Friday, so that's usually a good sign of a good movie. Then if it stays in your brain and you're chewing it over and stuff. Um, yeah, I kind of went. With this one, uh, trepidation almost, I guess. Oh, now you're probably going to have your pitchforks at the ready here, but <laughs> <laughs> I think because uh, Ty West was uh, associated with it, I'm, I wasn't sure about him, to be honest. I did not like House of the Devil at all, which uh, is surprising because I think I'm the only person on the planet that doesn't seem to like it. I don't know. It's just like I really dug like what it was going for with the aesthetics and like being a callback to like the late seventies, early eighties and stuff. It was like right up my alley in that respect. But I just thought it was a film with a whole lot of nothing. I just felt, I know it's a slow burn, but I think it's, it was a slow burn to it kind of like ground to a halt. You're talking about House of the Devil, where, yeah? Yeah, Not sorry, right, just right, okay. squeezing another review. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. And I felt like I hope this isn't going to be like that. I hope it isn't all going to be all build up and little payoff, you know, because he's great at foreplay. But when it comes to the sex, I felt it was like he's like he he, he blows his load in about 10 seconds, which I felt 
is what House of the Devil kind of did. It had all this long drawn out build up and then you got about 10 minutes of actual horror stuff. But um, I was quite pleasantly surprised. I thought it's very well paced. Um, and yeah, it, it had the same hallmarks of that movie. It was very much like like a, a, a callback to like a, a bygone era. You know what I mean? It was like very much a film, a film that literally feels like it's from the 70s, not mm-hmm. trying to be a pastiche, but actually feels like you've gone back in time and you've pulled something out from the 70s. He's very good at that. Um, and yeah, I was quite surprised. I, I didn't know where it was going to go. I will say that the trailers probably gave away a bit too much. I wish there was one trailer I could have avoided that kind of revealed the killer, which was a bit annoying. But I remember that even about halfway through, I totally forgot about that bit in the trailer and I couldn't predict where it was going to go. And um, I was quite surprised. The characters were all really well fleshed out. I thought the writing was top notch. And um, when, when when the killing started, I couldn't be happier, to be honest. It really uh, scratched that itch, you know, as a, as a slasher movie. I was like, yeah, I have to tip my hat to him. I thought you did the, a bang up job. So. Cool. Nice one. Right, what about you? What about you, Jordi Paul? Well, pretty similar. I mean, it was a pretty surreal experience for me anyway, because I was sat in a cinema screen by myself watching this. <laughs> and that's like my ultimate dream of like being in a cinema by myself with no Chris Packers rustling or anyone annoying me or no phones on. But it was really unsettling. <laughs> um, but yeah, like John says, you felt like you were watching a, a, a sort of an old classic or, you know, like an old sort of video nasty, if it were. Um, and yeah, I thought it was there was some beautiful, beautiful shots in it as well, which I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about in a bit. But yeah, moments of great humour in it as well. There was a couple of bits I actually laughed out loud in. Um, and yeah, the like the, like John said, it was really paced nicely. It didn't go on too much. It set itself up and then got 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 down to the uh, the mucky stuff quite quickly. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, really, I was good. I did enjoy it, and I was it. It, it didn't. I, what I did like about it, it didn't try and be too complicated, too intellectual. It just wear a tart on its sleeve, and then there you go. And it, you know, for an hour and what thirty minutes, hour and forty minutes, it was. It it, it was fine. It was great. So yeah, enjoyed it. Matt, yeah, I like pretty much the same as the other guys, really. Um, I mean, I'm quite a big Ty West fan, as you know. Like, like I really like enjoyed the film that he did as well. You guys should check it out if you haven't. It's called The Sacrament. It's quite good as well. Has a lot of shades of stuff from that film in this film as well. Um, but yeah, A24 movie, uh, I think they know what they're doing. Like, literally, they're picking some right good stuff. Um, and yeah, it was just a, it was just a really interesting kind of storyline and you're right it just picks i think it's maybe 1979 good year that um but it was just that uh, it's really clever he's just really clever at doing that era stuff um do you know what i mean it's just like it's almost like he needs a tv show set in those times that's just longer so he gets even more time to to get with characters because he's really good at that sort of stuff but i thought the, the music was awesome awesome as well a bit of blue oyster cult uh, Fleetwood Mac it's like they must have paid some big bucks for those tunes I'm telling you but yeah some really good kills didn't know where it was going again it's just like and it was super weird I mean there was a moment where I literally I went with Butch to see it and there was a moment where I just looked over to him and looked, he looked at me and it was just like what, what the fuck 
that, that one scene you never you don't often see that in the movie do you you know yeah and, and we heard some groans from the back like not, not good groans <laughs> but, but yeah it was, it was definitely interesting because there's only about six people in our show or something but it was like it was a bit yeah it's a bit you just felt really i like that though this was the right side of weird for me i just like i love the weird and uh sitting there feeling again it's like my conversation with detain you know uh the movie we watched it's fucking it's weird it's different texas chainsaw massacre that we reviewed a couple of episodes ago i didn't give a fucking shit about any of those characters they could have all died i give i cared for those porn stars those fucking <laughs> for whatever reason especially britney snow i cared for all of them but the the weirdness from um from pearl and the was it howard his name is i come of the the elderly couple was fucking just absolutely bonkers and yeah when i sit in a cinema stream and i'm i'm like i'm i'm, I'm uncomfortable here i'm uncomfortable watching this i know that i'm watching something that something good um and yeah again the writing style the 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 shots the quick cutaways that they do he does you know the cinematography it's very clever and it is feels like paul, paul said it's like a sex it almost like a sexploitation movie it could be a grindhouse movie why not um but it's like that classic slasher feel it could be it feels like the first friday the 13th it's set in that rural scene of a, of a texas chainsaw massacre it's got the classic gas station scene oh, I mean, yeah. this is one thing i was thinking about we could do a summer to scream about one day. What's your favourite gas station, you know, scene in a movie? Because, you know, from Cabin Fever, that's probably one of the better ones and stuff like that. But it's just synonymous with that sort of genre. And he, he ticked a lot of boxes. The fucking gore in this was tremendous. Absolutely. Some of the kills were fantastic. I think they could have gone further in a couple of them. But, yeah, no really real gripes with that. I really got on with this and I loved the weird. So essentially, it's the, they've gone to film a, a, a porno, pretty much, and they've rented out a, a room at the, on this um, farm. And uh, they're, yeah, yeah, the young couples and stuff. And there's an older couple that live in the house opposite. And the older lady is very uh, resentful. Not resentful. What is it? She's, she watches them and she's kind of longing to feel like that. Like she wants to be young and she wants to have sex. And her husband doesn't can't seem to get it up. It seems to be the issue. And then they... She, she doesn't. She, she puts the moves on one of them, and he kind of rejects her, and then yeah. and, and then things just go off the deep end. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about oh, what do we talk about first? The <laughs> let's talk about the weird the weird sex in this film, Charlie. <laughs> Pearl and Howard, and let's talk about the fact that okay, I didn't know this until doing a bit of jobby afterwards. The Mia Goth. Not a jobby. Not that kind of job. Uh, Mia Goff, who played uh, Maxine, also played Pearl. Yeah, I was I taken by surprise with that as well. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. I knew that it was a younger person playing an old person. That's the one thing I did root out really early because one, they can nail the makeup, but the voice nobody nobody can do an old person's voice. So I knew it was a younger so, person, but I did not know it was her playing the same character. I didn't know. I talked talk to Paul earlier about it. I was sort of just chatting, and uh, it it was. I came out of the cinema and I, I, I enjoyed it, but it was a grumble I had. I was like, "Why did they not just cast two old people? Because as much like you said, as much as they can perform, as much as they can put make prosthetics on, 
I'm sorry. I, I have to. I feel better after watching it that I knew it wasn't <laughs> because I, because I, I, you know, I just feel better now that knowing that it was. Yeah, for all ages, Paul. Let's be honest. But I'm just saying it, it was a grumble because I thought like it. It slightly just took me a bit out of it. Going, oh, like what? Because these these characters obviously they're they're a bit slightly less believable. And then I went on to IMDb just to check the cast, like the cast and where they're from and what they're doing. And then I saw it, and she plays the same person. I went, oh, well, well, that's why. It's obviously that duality of, you know, she sees herself in the younger girl and wants to. Okay. Yeah, I didn't pick up on that at all. Yeah. I was quite convinced of those old people, to be that's, honest. I'm with John. Yeah. Really? I, I, and oh, if you think about it, it's like, why didn't they cast older people? Because it's a bit exploitative isn't it if you're going to get old people and say oh you look really hideous and like you'll creep people out <laughs> <laughs> you know, just get on with it like film them it's a bit uh, i don't know man like, i think you're probably better to go down this avenue there <laughs> yeah i i'm a, I, i'm with that i'm like i'm glad because i didn't see the i didn't see i, I couldn't tell it i could i thought they were just i think i just freaked out watching it because I realised that I've got a real phobia about old people. Like watching it, I just I thought they were genuinely that old. I just thought, oh my god, who are these fuckers? I didn't see the prosthetics. I yeah. just thought, oh my god, I hate old people. But the one, the one thing, the one thing I was thinking, like, yeah, because I knew that it was a younger person playing the old person. I was just, I was just thinking about. It. I was thinking, right, is there any rhyme to reason why this is happening? I, I was thinking, is some weird fucking cult shit going to come to it where? every time she kills a young person she gets younger herself or some weird shit like that because you know when we go to the one of the first kill the visceral kills like she's all oh. doing this weird dancing and shit i thought is she i felt like she was growing younger because she almost got this energy from somewhere after she killed i'd oh, imagine that was just because she was like high on fucking killing someone but i really thought that she was getting younger as it went on but it obviously didn't go down that route and I was she just, felt younger in her essence and stuff yeah yeah to keep looking younger maybe she felt like yeah like a release more reclaiming her youth almost yeah. i thought that was a very interesting angle that i've never seen that in any film i don't think where they addressed like getting old like that like aging to the point where you're this, like this is the point i was thinking only about like not being youthful anymore and like we're missing sex and stuff. I was like, "Fuck!" Watching that, I was like, "Is that what we got to look forward to?" <laughs> <laughs> That's what I mean. It's like, like existential dreads, you know. I was just like, "Fuck!" Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing was she is she so is she replacing the fact that she's frustrated with not having sex with killing, so she's getting a different kind of thrill. Yeah, yeah, but there's also the point that she's also getting it. She's getting it from other places anyway. I mean, we oh, saw what, we saw what the cellar. I, we we can only guess. What was going on in that fucking cellar? <laughs> okay. She's done. It's not the first time that this has happened. Clearly, I've got um, a note in my book here, and it just says "fully hung." Oh well, that's different. But I'm talking about the guy hung up in the cellar. He, that's he, what I'm talking about. Oh yeah, yeah. You saw him full front, or you knew there was a great shot actually with um, kid. Uh, is it kid? Kid Cuddy. The guy kid Cuddy. The um, porn guy. Yeah, <laughs> and he he's walking out butt naked. Jackson. Yeah, and and they they all they, they show a silhouette and it just drooping below the silhouette and you're like, Fuck it was it like out. on his knee. It was literally on his knee. <laughs> I, I laughed because I, I I just thought it was hilarious. It was so funny. Same, but I was the only one that laughed in the cinema. Like, <laughs> I 
Hello. But it, it happened before that when Wade answered the door and he's tightly whities as well. I laughed as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hilarious. I loved Wayne. I thought he was so perfectly kind of on the right level of sleaze. You kind of, you had to like him. But when he was, when he came out in his tidy whities I was like, oh, my God, I love this character. I think he's he's going to die in his pants. This is going to be this is going to be great. And I and it did the you know you step on a nail that's fucking sucks. We've seen that before uh, in Home Alone, let alone anything else. <laughs> but, you know, that's exactly this, what I thought of. This movie does not hold back on the nudity. This is like a full. This is a real eighteen uh, nod to sort of the old school horror, and it's done in a classy way, but also in a quite disturbing. Although you get the the sex, the nudity, and all that, you're not meant to like it. The way that it's like creeped, the the way that it's set, and the way the the sort of cross um, shots and stuff like that back to the woman. You're not meant to like any of this. <laughs> so, um, but it's um, they they are shooting a porn. They do do that, and then the it's a good, like John said, it's a good pacing of a movie. When when the killing starts, it's sort of it doesn't just turbocharge into it. We get a good array of um of different ways to go which is fantastic i mean mentioned what i thought was one of the best sequences in the film and it had me on the edge of my seat the bit with the crocodile oh yeah (laughs) one of them goes skinny dipping yeah and it's like luring behind her the at just on the other side of the of the of the screen isn't it she's on one end and it's like moving towards her it's doing that like year 24 like oh music and then just a top-down view of her swimming and this crocodile just like casually just swimming up behind her and you're just like ah it was the tension and it was incredible Uh and i was setting up for something yeah nice foreshadow nice foreshadow into a future kill i I like i I knew he was going to make an appearance later on i was waiting for that yeah what was the car the car the yellow car obviously was the dude that was in the uh in the cellar possibly yeah um but that was a that was a that we've seen that car before in another in another movie, the Yellow Beetle, and I don't know what the Yellow Beetle was in. How was it? On the shot, yeah, that's, that's Psycho. The sh- that, no. wow, well, The Shining. There was a yeah, there was a Yellow Beetle. But oh, the, the, what the about bit Psycho. The bit when it's in the swamp, I think, was a deliberate callback to to Psycho because when right. I, yeah. Yeah, because lots of nods to other films. That bit with the alligator is like Toby Hooper's eating a lion with his an alligator. Oh, yeah. Stuff. And yeah, I think Psycho, there's a lot of nods to Psycho in it and Texas Chainsaw and stuff. It seems to be tipping its hat to all these different genre films. Yeah. Um, what other movie do we, we've we seen that's that's had like a, an elderly, an el- the elderly killer? Because I think we've commented on this. Uh, the What's the one that M. Night the visit, that's it, yeah. The visit, right? But were they were they old, old? Because these guys were like, yeah, they they were old. These were these were in the nineties, you know. I, I thought they were like hitting a century, <laughs> you know, <laughs> living out there. But um, well, I'll tell you one of the most uncomfortable ones scenes. It was the touching when she creeped when she went into bed. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, um, and obviously she's touching herself effectively. Now you think about it, never really like considered that when I was watching it. I didn't see her, didn't see the fact that they were the same, the same person. But effectively they are. They must have got stunt granny in for that one. Stunt <laughs> granny, right? But obviously, did she? How far do we think that she went in that scene? 
I don't think she went that far. She, she might have woke up, do you think? Or... I don't know. She said she's been, she woke up and said she, she's been touched. I don't know. I, I, we, we actually had a conversation about that after the movie, and me and Paul agreed that she should have gone a bit further. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think I think we're led to believe that she did go that far. Maybe. I think so. It's fucking weird. Very. It, very it weird. was very uncomfortable. Wasn't it? it was like, oh, cringy. It's like kind of uncomfortable though. I kind of like that feeling of just being like like squirming in your seat almost. You know, it's not many films these days that go there. You know. Well, yeah. do you remember that film, Drag Me to Hell. Uh, with the granny that attacks the woman. Oh, she gums her on the and chin. Her gum, her teeth, she's not got no teeth, and she like gums her, and all this spit comes off, and that. That's another good granny attack. Uh, yeah, this was this was weird. That's, um, really, really weird. Some of the deaths. I mean, I mean, let's talk about the first um, RJ, who uh, gets it in front of the van. I mean, that that was the best one, unfortunately. I think that's the, that hit so right out the gate with the best one. That was <laughs> so visceral, so like awful. Like not just one stab in the neck; it was like multiple, and he's he's like choking on his blood and stuff. It's just like Jesus Christ. This is like didn't she get caught on his throat and pull a bit of his throat out as well? Yeah. There's a bit where it sort of jagged out. <laughs> right. I think yeah. I think the the fact that the way and this is again this is testament i think to this mere goff you know the fact that she played old well because she's clearly like not she's divering she's not got any physical strength really she's all doing it at circumstance and she still just uh, keeps stabbing until the fucking head pretty much is coming off it's fucking a great kill that was one thing though that was kind of troubling me when i was watching it that, that you're, you're supposed to take on board that this old lady would have the power to to, to to do that you know it's a little bit like that's a bit of a reach for me to think she's this frail little old woman yet she can like you know almost take someone's head off with a knife and like you know pitchfork someone in the eyes and she wasn't strong enough to handle the gun at the end she went flying <laughs> yeah. is it the fact that she is like having that sort of like reawakening or sexual awakening or that youthful sort of so in her brain she's now not 90 anymore she's right. yeah do you know be. what i mean yeah. i don't know yeah. i'll tell you i'll tell you a bit that i quite that i cringed a bit at as well is when she shuts uh the girl in the cellar you know general general tega which she's doing around so we're all horror at the moment um she's been so much stuff um but when she puts her hand through the freaking door she's trying to get the lock undone and she just gets fucking whacked and her fingers are fucking all bent. Oh, fucking you see, that's that was the a great sort of... jump scare. That was a great jump scare. When yeah. when John mentioned earlier about House of Devils, that's the sort of scene that would just be the only... you In the, in the other movie, that would be the only bit of gore in the whole movie. That in, in, If it was like the House of the Devil, it would be that finger moment would be like, oh, and that would be it. And that, that that's all you'd see. But this movie just went from one to another to another. Yeah. I, thought yeah, I think that, there's a, a much bigger budget in this movie, though. I've got yeah. to say that. I still say some of the kills are a little bit disappointing. Like, I could have just done with a, a bit more. Like, every time you just introduce guns into slasher films and people get killed via a gun, I feel like it's a bit like, oh, come on. You know, like, Scream kind of does that a lot, I think. Like, in the finale, when, when they keep keep killing a killer at the end, it's always like, bang, bang, bang. <laughs> and I kind of want a bit more than that. I want them to be, like, ripped, ripped open and, you know. Like a, like a big end piece kind of thing yeah like i said yeah. you know like um that is merely negative because it's just a couple of too many gun deaths in it yeah you got the 
the standout moment with the fucking driving over red. I thought that, that was done. Cool. Oh yeah, that was cool. That was yeah. done very well. But uh, I, 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 one thing, I, if I did have a small bit of a, a, a moan about it, is that the whole kind of starting with the end kind of thing. It was kind of like, it was kind of like I knew. Well, some two people are going to be dead there. Yeah, One person's going to be dead there. So I, I was kind of preempting who was going to be placed where. So when things were happening in the hallway, I knew that two people were going to fucking die in that hallway. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, right. I don't know whether that was me, but just I being expected, so preemptive. I kind of forgot about that. I expected more from the seller. Yeah, I was I'll, I'll say that, Paul, as, as well. Yeah, definitely. I was like, <laughs> you know, it's fucking the, 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 the context and like the what's actually happened in the cellar is probably something that we don't really want to see. Um, but it, it was no don't breathe. Let's put it that way. <laughs> There's no turkey. Yeah, but I thought, I, I thought obviously it was revealed that there was she found one person there. Yeah. Like hung up, strung up. But when I thought at the end, I thought when they went down there, there was going to be like yeah. 20. Of them. Oh, that would have been, that, that been good. Yeah. Do you know as like a because oh, when it goes down, it's like what the hell? And I thought, oh god, well, what's happened down there? Like, and it's yum, like yum, yeah, there's a yum. guy. Oh, yeah, <laughs> all but, different uh, sizes of cock. Yeah, it didn't really utilised enough, was it? Really, you could have done more with that. that, that like, yeah. Did yeah. you notice though? Uh, I thought it was quite clever. I don't know if you noticed. You know when uh, the kid Cuddy goes to the fridge and he drinks the milk. Did you notice the the, the missing, missing people poster, yeah. were the people, the guy was that was hung up. Did you know yeah, I didn't know that. I saw the missing thing because they're quite focused on it, and I thought I was trying to make out the picture on it, but I couldn't. There was really... two of them. There was two different pictures, but one of them was the guy that was hung up. Ah. Um. That's what I'm saying. I thought that at the end there was going to be this like rogues gallery of just like, <laughs> sex objects that you'd had, like even like men and women. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, it just yeah, didn't yeah. happen. I was like, ah, oh, just finished. Right. Okay. All right. It's yeah. just it's gone it's gone down an avenue which I think is quite unique as well because. Like again, with the the fear of getting old is in there amongst a classic slasher movie, and it it is it is really clever. <clears throat> yeah, addresses yeah, a lot of issues about hitting you over the head with it as well. It wasn't mm. like Halloween Kills where it's just like everything was like on the nose. Where are now the monsters and all that? You know, mm. it's kind of like it, it, it touched upon some the the pros and cons of the porn industry and stuff, but it was all like not pointing its finger in any direction. As such, just kind of left it ambiguous. I think it was kind of cool. Yeah. Quite, it was, quite it was, interesting how at the start, it's just like, I was a bit unsure. I was like, do I like these characters? I don't know. Like, like the, the the final girl is a cokehead and stuff, which is unusual. Like, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. About midway through, I was like, a bit when the girl says she wants to be in the porn movie and the guy has a breakdown and he's crying in the shower. I, that really got me in the feels. I was like, damn, man, that, I really feel for that guy. And then I knew then it, it kind of had me. Like yeah. I cared about the, the the people in it, and I think they, it's quite. They, cool. they almost it's, needed to get to that bit, didn't they? They needed yeah. to, they needed that like hook. And the reveal at the end that that the, the the final girl is like actually from like some probably some like crazy religious sect and stuff, and she's probably gone off the rails as as a as a form of rebellion against that kind of like that you know. Life, yeah that lifestyle that squeaky clean can't do anything wrong you know what i mean like there was a when you think about it, there is a load of the things like you've got the, the old lady dealing with getting old and not being loved and wanting sex the old man not being able to get out his, up his heart's real bad you've got the porn industry thing you've got the you've got her getting out of a, a 
toxic kind of family you've got um people making choices and want to do what they want right yeah. kind of approaching this era of the 80s where you're like people just want everything and you're coming on you're on the crescendo of an era where literally greed was everything do you know what i mean in the 80s it's really clever it's, like, it's quite it's ironic so though that she rebelled against this strict baptist of, of strict religious upbringing right and then fell into you know it's almost like well should i listen to your mental religious dad because now the devil's got you <laughs> i don't know, do you know what i mean it'd be quite clever where it was like <laughs> I mean, none of them seem miserable in the porn industry, do they? They always seem like they're having a good time. To be <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so I, crying I, in I, the did, <laughs> I, think, um... I did think the end, though, the end, I was convinced for sure when she was doing that line of coke on the steering wheel. All right. Or on her hand and the, the steering wheel. Yeah. I was convinced that she was going to ram into a cow, because, <laughs> you know, at the start. At the start, yeah. Oh, yeah. When they say the cow corpse is oh, going okay. over the top. I was fully for sure that she was like she got away, and then, like you said, John, you don't. She's she's not like the virginal final girl. She's a bit of a yeah, you know, a, a slut. Let's be fair. But uh, <laughs> and she's doing coke, and I thought she's going to distract herself, and she's going to whack it. And, and I was for sure thinking she's going to hit a cow, and the cow's going to kill her. I was ready. I was ready for that moment, but obviously it didn't go there, which is fine. So there was a um, there's an after credit scene of this movie. I, I didn't just, stay. Just before you say about this, I do, I do want to say one thing. I was like, the one thing I kept thinking of in the back of my head is they're literally going to find that porno camera of her on it. Like she's the only one that's not in this situation. Well, they're yeah, find her. <laughs> She's gonna pretty look... easy to find as well. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, she needs to take the tape. She didn't take the tape. Just getting the hell out of there. But yeah, they were for a good uh, find, though, aren't they? Yeah, there was um, an end credit scene to this movie. Now, this was shot, I think, obviously during the last couple of years, and um, I think uh, someone was in isolation. Ty West was in isolation or something for a couple of weeks while whilst um the prep was coming out for this movie so he wrote a prequel for pearl um and then he actually had it because it's filmed in new zealand so he had the conversation then with mia goff and uh, they filmed a prequel movie uh just on pearl when she was younger it's set in like 1918 um and she and mia goff filmed it while she was over there so we're going to get another movie based on pearl uh, later on this year. Oh my god! <laughs> Which is quite funny. Um, what was the after credit sequence then? Because I, I... it was the trailer for. Oh, it was just a trailer. Oh, it was a trailer oh. for the movie Pearl, so we didn't get to see that. Huh. So hopefully, we'll get to see that in a couple of weeks or something like that when it all all comes out. So that's going to be quite interesting because it's. I, I'm I'm assuming that this tr- personality trait maybe didn't come on when she was old. Maybe it's always been there. <laughs> so we could see something quite interesting. <laughs> <laughs> they've been all fucked up the whole time. We're just presuming because they're old that they've yeah. like, they messed up from the start. You know? <laughs> just been going around all, all all different places, just fucking men and murdering them, like basic instinct style. Well, not just men. That's the beauty about this movie. It's not just men. She's interested in. Yeah. You know, she doesn't care. <laughs> right then, should we? Um, that was a fucking great conversation. I think the fact that we've had this in-depth conversation proves how much. I think a good movie that it actually was. Um, 
and there's a lot to actually talk about, which is great. So what about ratings then? How are we doing this? Let's let the guests go first. All right, Geordie Paul, we'll give you we'll give you first dibs. I am going to give it an eight breaths out of ten. I re- I did enjoy it. I thought it was well well above average. Um, it was just a couple of little things. Like I said, at the end, it, I was a bit like, oh. Um, but yeah, no, eight out of ten. Good, very good. Very, uh, I enjoyed it, even though I was by myself and it was a bit weird. But uh, yeah, no, it was good. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I was I was thinking about it. It's very hard. I don't know. I was thinking um, I was thinking eight, but then I think it's more than an eight. But not quite a nine, so I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna go in the middle. I'm gonna say eight point five breaths out. Okay. okay. Yeah. Butch, Matt, well, for me, for me, it's uh, it's a nine going on ten. This is gonna. Be, this is this is a pretty. <clears throat> I said the other week, mate. I wanted something. I, well, I'm complaining that I wanted something fucking weird yeah. and something that's gonna completely like <laughs> make me think. And I got it. Yeah. Uh, so I gotta stop moaning now. I've had the weird, so I'm happy. <laughs> And I'm going to give Definitely. it nine. <laughs> so nine out of ten for me, definitely. Well, my, mine was going to be, I was like, I really enjoyed it. Um, I'd probably say eight as well, just for the comment that Butch made at the end of the movie that was basically, that's the strangest boner I've ever had. It <laughs> <laughs> gets an extra five point, uh, an extra half a point for that. So I'm with uh, John Alicat, 8.5. Okay. All right, then when that's that's maths done, blah, blah, blah. yes, that's an eight and a half out of ten. Then so that's uh, that's pretty good, it's pretty good, pretty strong movie. I quite like that. Good conversation going on to next week. We actually, well, next episode, we've got another, we've actually got a movie. I'm not sure about this one, but we're gonna do it. Um, we're gonna go and watch uh, Morbius at the cinema, so another Sony picture, yay. <laughs> Uh-oh. Why? I can't wait. <laughs> oh, God, I'm going in with the lowest expectations. Morbius the Living Vampire. Not mentioned in the title, which is a shame, but, you know, whatever. Jared Leto. Uh, yeah, he's swinging. <laughs> sometimes, yeah. He's, sometimes he's a swing and a miss, so we'll see what happens. Sometimes we will see. But, yeah, there we go. Next episode is Morbius the Living Vampire, as I'm going to say. Right. Anyway, let's get on. Right. Geordie Paul, hit me with something to scream about. What do you want from me? Why don't you run from me? What are you wondering? What do you know? Why aren't you scared of me? Why do you care for me? When we all fall asleep, where do we go? Okay, so I got tasked with something to scream about. Um, thanks for that, lads. So uh, I thought it would be fun to uh, go a bit old school and have a nice game of horror top trumps. <laughs> so basically, early in the week, we uh, had a list of horror characters, and uh, this is like round one. Um, there may be other rounds coming. Uh, see how well we get on with this one. Um, and we each have two characters. We're going to play against... Uh, I'm going to play against Paul, and uh, then Matt and John are going to face off with a fight to the death. Um, so basically, we have uh, two characters each, and then we have five categories. Uh, we've picked each rated the categories out of ten, um, and we're going to uh, pit each other together and see who's going to win. Hang on, it's out of ten, right? But we only got thirty points to spend. Yeah, sorry. So yeah, you only have thirty points, so you have to split out of thirty points, and you can go up to a maximum of ten for each. 
All right, I'm glad I just didn't fuck this up already. That's <laughs> yeah. Same. This is only the third time I've had to explain the rules this week, so this could go <laughs> spectacularly wrong. But yeah, so um, maths, maths isn't our strong point. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> no horror films are. I get it, right? Um, but yeah, so it's me versus Paul. First up, so Paul, do you want to tell us your characters you picked? Okay, How my. Would you want me to? Pick one of the characters for this first go, do you? Yeah, you pick one of the characters first go. Oh, fucking hell. Okay, I'll go straight in with uh, Gabriel from <laughs> the film Malignant. Gabriel. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to pick Norman Bates. I got Norman Bates from Psycho. So, okay. so the first category we have is physical strength. So, Paul, what did you put? Well, I win this then because I put a nine, and you can't. Uh, he's old Norman Bates ain't stronger than bloody Gabriel. I, I could put whatever I want, but I didn't. I put six, so you win that point. Yeah, he's quite strong. He manhandles detectives as his mother. Um, right. Mental strength. So, what did you put for mental strength? I put ten because I thought this was his prop. This was his like top trump, if you like, because. The way that he sort of put everything together and the way that he came out and kept himself sort of quiet, he's quite devious. So I think Gabriel is a 10 all day. All right. Well, I put eight. So you beat me again. <laughs> so it's 2 0. Okay. I'm struggling here. So uh, next one is weapons. So. Okay. Well, I, I put two. He didn't have any weapons. He just scratched people, didn't he? I don't know. He, he did have two guns. massive knives. <laughs> I just put two. I didn't really like his weapons. Oh, yeah. So you spent all your you've spent all your points on mental, haven't you? Well, yeah. I I put four, so I win, even though it's a four. Woo-hoo. Well, you get one that one classic knife. I reckon that that's that's iconic. Yeah, okay, the sound effect. It's all about the sound effect. Uh, fear factor eight. I put that for quite high. I thought going in, he's he's quite a scary chap. You know, the fact that he's in, he's living in someone the back of someone's head. It's quite scary, really. And he's basically running backwards the whole time, if you think about it. So, yeah, I put an eight for fear. Nice one. Well, I only put four. So, you're not really scared of Norman Bates, are you? That's part of his allure. (laughs) Part of his charm. So, you win that one. So, you've won. Let's do the last one. So, uh, draw one last breath. Icon. Horror icon rating. So, yours must must be a nine or or a ten, right? Mine's eight. Okay, well, I put one. (laughs) Because <laughs> he hasn't had time, yeah. he, hasn't, he hasn't had time to grow. Time. Well, I put I put eight, so you win that one, three, two. Oh, so, okay, cool. So Norman Bates is out. Gabriel from Malignant goes through to the next round. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. next, uh, so, who's your next one? Um, face Leatherface. Le- Leatherface. Let's go get so my second one is the Xenomorph from Aliens. Fucking hell. Come on, I ain't got a chance, have I? I tell you what, though. You know, none of this Aliens versus Predator. They should make an Aliens versus Leatherface. That <laughs> yeah, man. So uh, physical strength, what you put? I mean, I put nine. But because he's quite... That's probably all he's got. And he's... <laughs> <laughs> so I'll put eight. Really? To, yeah, so you beat me. I don't... That doesn't make any sense. Well, maybe. Okay. Yeah, spreading the points out. But, uh, yeah, yeah, you I, win. I know, I know Jordy Paul's game here. Okay, mental. mental. I put one. Because <laughs> he's not... 
he's not really that's not really his strength is he? he's just like, yeah. mm. oh. <laughs> well i put two i put two because they're not really they're just what? instinctual aren't they oh, okay oh, oh. Oh, so. yeah. um okay weapons well i put seven he's got a fucking chainsaw yeah, I thought you were going to put 10, to be honest. But uh, yeah, I, I only put one because I haven't really got any weapons apart from the teal. The, you, the blood. You've got the acid, acid blood. Acid blood. You've got the big mouth, fucking jaw. And the tail. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've just gone low, okay. <laughs> this is my top trump. Leave me alone. You would say that the aliens got the best self-defense mechanism ever, having acid for blood. Like, that is the best weapon you can have. Yeah. Oh. I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you fucked up there, boy. <laughs> <laughs> fucked up your own game here. <laughs> All right. So you're winning 2-1, okay? Shouldn't so, be. fear factor? Um, I put seven. Yeah, so I put nine. Yeah, I agree, I agree with that one. Yeah, pretty fucking scary. Um, and then horror icon. Uh, I'd put oh. six. I'd put six. That's all I'd left, to be honest. <laughs> so <laughs> so I, I put ten. Yeah, see so what, you've won three two there. Well, I've won three two. Okay. So we each win one. So Xenomorph and Gabriel, Gabriel. go through to next round. Mashing it. Cool. All right. right. That, that was good fun. I don't know. You know, you think you fucked you up there. don't agree with some of the scores. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, round two, Matt versus John. So, Matt, who did Paul. you have? I have, I have picking out the box I've got from the movie Jaws, Bruce. <laughs> nice. <laughs> get John, who's playing Bruce? Who are you fighting Bruce with? Art the Clown. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I want to see. I want to see the sharks strung up naked. <laughs> you kind of do in Jaws. That's tiger a, shark, isn't it? Yeah, you could string him up and cut him down the middle. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't think about the string up top part. I, I only put like strength-wise. I only gave him a two because he doesn't look very strong. Art the clown. He's kind of a wiry guy, isn't he? So I just thought, you know. Yeah, it's not going to be that. Strength is not going to be a strong point. Cool. Matt? Wow. I've only gone for six for strength. I mean, he is pretty strong, but, you know, I've got some areas where he uh, counteracts. So, yeah, six for strength. <laughs> I think you still win. So, one nil to, to Bruce. Right. Mental strength? I've gone for a four. I don't know. I just, I just, it doesn't sh- sh- strike me as the sharpest tool in the shed, you know? <laughs> <laughs> he's a bit gonzo, isn't he? He's a bit like, I don't know. So I just well, he's a bit too silly to be that intelligent. So yeah, it's the four. No, no. I, he's a shark. I've gone for one. <laughs> <laughs> he's got no brain. <laughs> Yeah, but okay, but I, if you think about it, he's literally stalking the um, the family from film to film. Yeah. He knows where they uh, are. Yeah, it's, not the same, it's not the same shark, Paul. So now if I'd said Jaws 4, then oh. you could have that one. <laughs> he's passing on his genealogy. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Brilliant. Right, so uh, that's one all. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, weapons. I've gone for 10 for weapons because Ooh. all sorts of tricks, isn't he? He's got like knives, he uses guns, he's got like a whip with 
cutting things on the end of it. He's got a, a hacksaw that he likes to fuck people up with. So, yeah, he's got a whole array of weapons. And he's got supernatural powers and stuff. Well, I don't know if they include that into it, where he can yeah. teleport and stuff. And, yeah, and like, if he was up against him in a fight, he can heal pretty quickly and stuff. And, yeah, he's pretty much invincible in that fact, isn't he? Have you got acid for blood, though? (laughs) 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 Matt, what you got for weapons? I should have gone quite high on this one, but I saved some back. So I've only gone four for weapons. I mean, he's got his teeth. Yeah. That's about it. But he's quite quite big, though, as well. You wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. Nice one. So he's got got limited range with his weapons because you'd have. (laughs) You can literally stand on the shore and it'd be right. <laughs> so John's winning 2 1. So, right, fear factor. John, uh, out the gate, just 10. Uh, there's nothing more creepy than that fucking guy, honestly. Like, just, he's just like, it gives me the chills just looking at him. On mm. a, so. <laughs> Sorry. So, I, like, I've gone like for 10. <laughs> I've gone 10 as well with fear. Mm. Yeah. Oh, it's nothing worse than the amount of fear that that film has put into everyone about sharks. It's literally like people didn't really care about sharks till that that film came out, and now they're the evilest creature on the planet. Yeah. Saying that some guy did get mauled by a shark about a month ago. True, you? yeah, true, <laughs> true. Pretty gnarly. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Okay, so that's, a so draw. that's a draw. So it's still two one to John. So horror icon score. I've gone for just a four on this one. I think he's a semi-icon. He's like, in more recent times, he's quite... quite he could go big over time. Yeah, but um, I don't think he's quite reached that icon status just yet. I mean, in the horror world, he's kind of popular, but hasn't really broken through to the mainstream as such. So. He's got a lot of memes, though, anyway. I discovered Because I discovered the movie from that fucking Scooby-Doo meme. Oh, is it? <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've gone I've gone big on this obviously. Jaws being a massive icon, I've got nine. Yeah. It's gotta be it's gotta be huge. So that's two two. Oh now I didn't plan for this eventuality. <laughs> well there you go. Well they both got so, to go right. through then. Sorry, they've both got to go through. All right, we'll have like a yeah, okay, that's fine. we we'll actually we need a, a a wild card. So uh, yeah, cool. They yeah. both go through. Ooh. Okay, cool. Right. So who's your next ones? I've got Pinhead. Oh, yeah. I've got Michael Myers. Oh, it's a showdown. Right. Cool. So physical strength for Pinhead. Uh, again, he doesn't strike me as a very strong sort of fellow. You know what I mean? No, I don't think that's his uh his main attribute. So I've only given him. I've given him a zero. For strength. Wow. <laughs> because he's all, I like it. Pinhead's all about what he's got going on in his mind more than his physical form, I think. So, yeah, strength-wise. I think I could take him if it was just a fist fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you didn't just throw then you'd be all right. <laughs> yeah. Although punching him in the face, wow. those pins might hurt quite a bit, I think. <laughs> You need a hammer, just knock them in. Yeah. Or just step on his uh, on his little uh, dress thing he's got going on. His little skirt there. He's sarong. And just, like, sarong. Over on his own face. That'd be fun. Anyway. 
Enough about John, one man vendetta against Kennedy. Matt, physical strength? Mate, he's Michael Myers, a pretty hard bastard. He gets beaten up, torched, put on fire, stabbed, shot, fallen out of windows. He's got to be a nine. All day nine. Okay. Absolutely. So that's one nil to Matt. Mental strength. See where this is going to go, John? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I gave him an eight on this one. I was tempted to go a little bit higher, to be fair, because he does come across like he's quite an intellectual chap, you know. Um, but then I was thinking about it. He has been tricked quite a lot in these movies. Like, usually when you open the box and he's about to rip you up, it gives you a chance. I quite like that aspect. He's a bit of a gentleman about it. And he's like, mm-hmm. not me here. And then if you say, oh, no, it was the other guy. <laughs> <laughs> I can go and get the other guy for you. He's the one that opened it. He's escaped you and stuff. And he's like, oh, okay. You know, so I think it can be tricked. So I kind of, he's, he's smart. And he does kind of look, there's many instances where he kind of like, gets into people's heads and he, conv- he even convinces some people that they'd be better off as a Cenobite and stuff, which is quite interesting. But I think he's been outsmarted quite a few times by Kirsty. So he's got an eight on that, in that, on that score. Cool. Matt? Yeah. I'd, see, I'd, uh, Michael Myers, right, his mental health's pretty bad, I would imagine. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's, it's like, you, it, it, again, it, he's not the sharpest tool in the shed, is he? He's this... You know, he's a stalker, but he does fuck up a lot and stuff. So I've only given him a four. Okay. So, yeah. Cool. So one, one. So weapons, John? Oh, it's got to be a nine, isn't it? Like those fucking hooks coming out of thin air and stuff, ripping people apart. How can you fight that? There's nothing you can do against that. That's that's terrifying. That thing. That's the most scariest thing about Pinhead. If he popped into the room right now and he started launching them fucking chains through the air and stuff, I'd be out of it. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> that's just like, that's almost like cheating. I think if this is like Mortal Kombat or something, and he started busting them things out, no one would stand a chance, really. To be fair. Yeah. No one wants to be skinned either. <laughs> no. <Fucking> <laughs> Looks pretty painful. Oh, on, do, you, do you get to call his other mates as part of like the weapons? weapons so he's, got yeah. one. he's got backup as well. I didn't think of that. Yeah, he's got the CD player guy, you know. The... <laughs> chubby neck dude. Yeah. He's got all the... He'd be on the phone to his mates going, yo, bro, I've got some issues here, yeah? Get down here, kick off. <laughs> Chatterer. Arrow with his feet. And they all come lur- lurking at him from behind the corner. You're like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> That's, yeah. He's pretty bad. I just had this vision of him phoning up, John, in your voice, like ordering the hooks from like <laughs> oh, my bruv, I need some of them metal hooks. <laughs> I need back <laughs> back up. Back up. <laughs> Is this Michael Myers geezer? Yeah, he's been giving me some shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh brilliant. Oh. Math weapons. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he does have a lot of weapons, but like I used so many fucking points up on other stuff. Because, um, I mean, he loves the choice of knives, doesn't he? It's like he loves a stab. Yeah. That's about it, really. Stabbing and choking and stuff. So I only gave him a two for weapons. Oh, yeah. yeah. All right. So John takes a 2 1 lead. So fear factor. Oh, yeah. Again, a seven. Like, yeah, you wouldn't want to bump into him, would you? Pinhead, like just looking at him, just give you the chills. Just like, nah, 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 yeah, seven. 
Yeah, this this one got me when I was, you know, I watched this when I was about eleven. I, it scared the shit out of me. Kept that stayed with, <laughs> stayed with me. Yeah. yeah, I mean that imagery is something else, isn't it? I, I don't know whoever came up with that design, but it's fucking, it's awesome. To be fair, that that the whole look of uh, Pinhead and his entourage and stuff. Yeah, that's that's next level. Yeah. I've gone for the fear factor from Michael Myers. Pretty big for quite a lot of people, I think. Uh, yeah. Especially as that introductory character of the 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 slasher genre. Like, a lot of kids probably fucking got scared over this. So I went for eight for fear factor. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty scary. He's, like, it's, fucking it's... hiding behind bushes with fucking... With the, uh, weird, the weirdest mask. It's yeah. something... Yeah, something so simple and haunting about that mask, isn't it? Just a pure white face. Well, the fact that it's just William Shatner as well. <laughs> it's even crazier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Imagine yeah. how different that movie would have been if they hadn't painted the mask white and they just left That's it the William Shatner. They were going there, wouldn't they? They, would, they literally did that last minute. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah, that would have been Brilliant. different. Right, man. Well, it's 2-2. It's, it's two, two. It all comes down to the... Horror icon score. So, all right, well, I, gave, John. I gave him a six on this one because he's kind of like he's kind of a heavy hitter, but not quite. I think you don't. He's not the instant one you think of when you think of horror icons, but he's kind of kind of up there. So definitely, yeah, uh, yeah. average. So I give him a six. Oh, I just beat you by one point, mate. Seven. Oh, savage. Oh, oh. That feels about right as well because you think about how many movies each. There's been ten. Hellraiser movies, but I think there's been like what 13 Halloweens or something like that. Yeah. Right. You know I mean, but then when you think if you went to everybody, like who's your favorite slasher, yeah, villain, it, he'd always be probably number one in a poll, wouldn't he? I mean, I probably I would have given more points if I had points left, but I've spunked them all up on fear and strength. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, that, that's the that's the beauty of the game, yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah. Matt wins, so Michael Myers goes through and Pinhead can. Piss off back to hell with his metal hooks and his mates. <laughs> cool. He's got okay. you on spark. Speed dial, mate. <laughs> that was it. So we have, who do we have? We have the Xenomorph and we have Gabriel from Malignant. We have um, Art the Clown and uh, Bruce going through together as chums. And then we have Michael Myers as well. That's round one done. Who knows? There may be another round coming up soon. Nice That's one, Paul. Fun. Like that, that's good. Good laugh. But who doesn't love a bit of top trumps? Top trumps. My favourite. There are other card games available. How can Pinhead still not be in it though? He's well odd. <laughs> <laughs> he is odd. Let it go, John. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna visit you tonight, you know that. <laughs> if he was up against anybody else, I reckon he would have gone through. <laughs> Definitely. Part the bloody clown. <laughs> <laughs> Right, cheers for that, Paul. That was great, mate. Looking forward to more rounds. Um, right, this is this is the moment. This is the it's the time. It's time for our hundredth episode movie from the vault. I don't suppose they uh, told you anything in Denver about the tragedy we had up here during the winter of nineteen seventy. Well, a man named Charles Grady is the winter caretaker, and he came up here with his wife and two little girls. I think about eight and ten. From what I've been told, I mean, he seemed like a completely normal individual. But at some point, 
during the winter. He must have suffered some kind of a complete mental breakdown. He ran amok and uh, killed his family with an axe. You can rest assured, Mr. Ullman, that's not going to happen with me. Mom? Yeah? Do you really want to go and live in that hotel for the winter? Sure I do. It'll be lots of fun. Yeah, I guess so. For some people, uh, solitude and isolation can of itself become a problem. Okay, so this has been a long time coming. Um, another Stephen King adaptation from uh, Mr. Stanley Kubrick. Um, so we are going to be talking about The Shining from 1980. So we're going to read a little synopsis. If you haven't seen this, this film, where the fuck have you been? Uh, just go and watch it because we're going to talk about everything to do with this movie and uh, we're going to go on a deep dive, I can imagine. So, when a family heads to an isolated hotel for winter, where a sinister presence influences the father into violence, while his psychic son sees horrific foreboding from both past and future, some shit is going to go down. I added that last bit. So, we're going to be talking about The Shining. Where the fuck do we start with this one? <sighs> first time you saw it. This is the first time watching me. I've not seen it before. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> who, who recommended this bollocks? Honestly, like, I'm so bored. Jesus Christ, there's only one death in it. It's fucking rubbish. Can we kick John out? Is that. Is that... <laughs> John has left the conversation. You didn't watch the, uh, you didn't watch the remake, did you? <laughs> the TV I don't know what I watched. So TV was series. Bored beyond belief. I was like, this is maybe a horror film. Where's some fucking horror in it? Something <laughs> happens in it. Boring. <laughs> Can I hang up? <laughs> I'm joking. I just okay. wanted to just like throw a cat amongst the pigeons for a minute because this is going to be a wank fist from start to finish, <laughs> isn't it? This <laughs> God, I feel uh, bad enough. I already had my cock in my hand for the last one. <laughs> John, can you remember the first time you watched this movie? <laughs> yes, very, very clearly, funny enough. Uh, I watched it with my mum. It was on telly and uh, she said, oh, we should watch this film The Shining because I was super young. I was about seven, I think, when I first started getting wow. into horror. And she was just like, 
It's a very, very weird of her rules back then. Just like what would she let slip through the net and what she wouldn't, you know? Like for some reason, Poltergeist was off limits, but I could watch The Shining. That's fine. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and uh, I think because she was reminiscing, because like this is funny, like this is one of the films her and my dad went to see when they first started dating. So she had kind of like a, a fondness for it, you know? Oh, nice. She was like, so oh, we should yeah we watched this and I remember just watching it as a kid and just being like transfixed on the TV like real suspense like I've never felt before you know I just was like on the edge of my seat and just thought oh wow this is awesome and yeah just I love it I think uh, Kubrick is um is is definitely probably my favorite director of all time if I had to do a top ten films of just cinema in general definitely three of them of his would be in there. You know, just hands down, I think he's the master of filmmaking. And this is no exception. I think it's, it's brilliant, really, to be fair. Um, yeah, watching it again recently, it's kind of weird. It kind of like, um, I remember thinking about when I watched it for the first time as well, why I probably kind of latched onto it quite as a, as a young age and was quite got what it was about. I think, as I say, my mum and dad's kind of like, they split up when I was very young. They was only together for like a few years. And then my mum was a single parent and stuff. And I remember she was dating guys and stuff. And there was one guy that she was kind of seeing. And I remember like, he was kind of kind of an arsehole, to be fair. He wasn't a very nice person. He had a lot of pent up aggression and anger. And he would just fly off the handle. Like, and I remember sometimes on a Sunday afternoon, he'd come back from the pub and he'd be into his drink and whatever. And it'd kick off that his dinner was cold and it fucking launch it up the wall <laughs> and stuff. So I remember that was sort of like, and he'd get a bit heavy handed with my mum and get quite violent. So I remember seeing that as a kid and then seeing this movie and I could kind of relate to it almost. And I remember just like on the reason I do watch it like every year, but I remember this watching it this time, thinking about, you know, just going back to, of course, I thought this might be the question that you was going to ask when it was the first time you saw it. And I remember that was probably one of the things that pulled me in as a kid. Not to go down like a dark avenue there, but just like, I think like horror has a funny way of like making you deal with real life stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's kind of, kind of a powerful film in that respect, I think, just like a full line, like, well, you know, I remember as a kid as well, I was thinking like, um, like when he used to have these fits of rage stuff and like when he used to get into his drink and thinking, oh, cool, if that's what alcohol does to people, I'm never going to touch a drop. Uh, <laughs> that didn't quite work out. I, I love <laughs> <laughs> but, were, you drinking, were you drinking now? Is that, is that your rum? Because <laughs> uh, we're doing a shine, I've got a, well, I've got a whiskey and coke. He drinks it on the rocks, but you know, so. Oh. Nice. Nice. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that, John. Yeah, I didn't mean to go on a bit of a tangent there, but uh, yeah, I mean, That's I didn't want to bring the podcast down or nothing, but I think like some films have like that sort of power and uh, in a good, good, good way, I think. It might help me deal with what was going on in the house at that time, you know? Mm. Awesome. Okay, Paul, <laughs> first, time, first time you saw this movie. Well, I can relate because I often see dead people all around the house. So, uh, no, I'm not um, <laughs> just a light in the mood, John. <laughs> well, no, I, um, I, to be honest, I watch this, I say late in life, as like I'm Howard and Pearl over there. Um, I watched this in my early 20s. Um, I'd never, never seen it. And actually, it was just coincided with me getting into Stephen King. A, I picked up Salem's Lot. 
well, picked it up. I found, get this, there was a cupboard, just a random cupboard in our house, and I opened it, and my mum had loads of books in there. And the two books I picked out as a seven-year-old child was uh, Jaws and um, Salem's Lot. And I never read Salem's Lot until I was like 14 or 15, but I read Jaws when I was seven. And then, so, but anyway, Salem's Lot kicked my Stephen King obsession off a bit. And I'd seen it quite early. I think when I was about seven, I'd saw the, the original it. Um, but yeah, The Shining was a book I'd read. And then I obviously wanted to watch the film. And I'd, I can't remember, it was either BBC Two or Channel Four on a Sunday night, used to do a, it, 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 it like nine o'clock, they used to show a film. And there was a a strange, I can't remember if he's Irish or Scottish film critic. And he used to do like a synopsis An intro, of the film yeah. for about 10 minutes before. Do you remember it? Yeah, yeah. I remember that. It's BBC Two. Oh, Alex Cox, I think. It was it. BBC Two. Yeah, yeah. video. They called it like Movie Jam or Video Jam. Yeah, it's it. like Alex Cox. Yeah, something like that. And I remember the first week I watched it was The Fly. It's the first time I'd seen The Fly, cool. right? And then the next week was The Shining. Um, so that's yeah, and that's when I watched it on BBC Two for the first time. So yeah, that's that I remember it very clearly. Nice, Matt. I see. I was well late on this one because I, I, I'd seen so many other Stephen King adaptations way before this, um, and I kind of went through a kind of Kubrick stage where I watched Full Metal Jacket, Clockwork Orange, um, Two Thousand and One Space Odyssey, and that this was on the cards as well. And I, I kind of, it wasn't that long ago. It's probably about 15 years ago that I saw it for the first time. Um, and I'm glad I did because I don't think, like, if I'd watched it when I was a lot younger, I don't know if I would have, like, stuck with it for so long because my attention span was shit when I was a kid. And it's so much better now. And literally, when I watched it, I was like, this is fucking pure masterpiece. I was like, my God, it's just so much going on so much stuff so so weird so everything just to feel like john said like jokingly there's only a few it's not even that ki- that many kills it's like yeah this, that's what's crazy about it but yeah that, that that's quite recent so you know it has literally and i like john i've watched it probably once a year sometimes twice this year already <laughs> so yeah crazy what about you wow so like i <laughs> This is a weird story, actually. I think I was when I was like 15, I used to I was getting into like health and social care quite early age, like caring and all for people, etc. And I had a few I had a few babysitting jobs, um, like looking after like kids and stuff. And one of them was um, how the fuck that happened? I don't know. <laughs> Can't even look after himself before checks. And Where's all this stuff. story going? I want to know. <laughs> just just word of mouth back then. Uh, getting get a business up. But I remember I was babysitting for this, for, it was like a small child, like in the crib and stuff. And this uh, woman obviously was going out on the piss. And um, so I was there in this like little, little flat. This is my, this is my <laughs> story. Um, and obviously I didn't have... again, is it? <laughs> <laughs> this is getting dark. But, um, nah, but obviously I didn't have to do anything because the kid was asleep. So it was a young kid. Um, so I just was watching TV all night. And like, you know, Flicking through the channels, there's no TV guide back then. Like, station. Well, no, this <laughs> this is terrestrial TV. <laughs> no, there's no, there's like, I think she had like. How old are you? Like six. Hey, but it wasn't it? Was, it wasn't a, 
She had. She didn't have Sky. Didn't have all, all that sort of stuff. It to be just, fair, it's like in recent memory when I remember when the TV stations used to turn off. Like yeah, yeah true. It's not that long ago. It feels like it's a long time ago, but it's like definitely like early two thousands. They still used to turn off. Yeah, true. I, I think I just flicked the channel and it was just it was on, and I don't think I would have picked it up from the start. It was just, it wasn't planned. It was just like, okay, this, this movie's on. I'm like, oh, hang on. I've heard about, I think I've heard about this. Let's watch this in the dark, completely in the dark. Um, no lights on. Fucking hell. And I just remember it absolutely just being floored by it. And just, it absolutely scared the shit out of me. And I, and I, and afterwards I was like, I had no idea why. I'm like, hang on, that can't be that scary. What did I just watch? A guy run around with an axe. Okay. Why was that scary? So I, I remember like picking it up and watching it again, and then the same it did exactly the same to me. And I was like, "Fuck! Why did this movie just? Why is this movie like getting to me? Why is this movie just moving my needle in that way? It's just like it completely gets me." So I, I, I watched it, you know, again, and like maybe I left it a couple of years, watched it again, and it's and it did exactly the same to me. And I, I did it again when I watched it last last week. I probably watched it like you and John, like at least once every couple of years. Um, and sometimes I'll leave it for quite a while because I'll, I'll go Shining's my favourite movie of all time it's like my favourite horror movie of all time and I'm like why? Why is it the, why is it? Why do I find this scary? And I'm always thinking to myself it's not that after watching all these horror movies why is it Why is it this one that sort of gets me? Uh, and every time and I sit down and I watch it and it's immediate it's the music and the 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 whole soundtrack and the whole like like um composition of it it plays with your emotion like the way that he's done it and the way that that that, that composition is done and every time it gets me there's a note that would just completely give me goosebumps when i watch it and i think it's just absolute phenomenal phenomenal movie which is basically at the heart of it is about domestic violence yeah essentially um obviously along with that the isolation but it's just the the music that goes along with it absolutely just makes me I, I noticed that this terrified. Time, as well as music. I never really took notice of the score until I watched it just recently. And the score is like unlike anything else I've ever heard, I think. Like those string arrangements and stuff. And it's just like, it's literally you're getting attacked by the score. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's why. I think sometimes it's like that subconscious thing. Because the music, <laughs> the whole film is like this. But the one word that is, is I always hear associated with it is foreboding. So the music for Bowden, the the setting for Bowden, the 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 whole situation that's boiling is just up, and it's so real realistic as well. It could this could happen, you know, it easily could happen. Um, but it, yeah, it's just so cleverly well done, just so well done. I mean, There's for a those science who... to that, yeah. Like the, I went to a, a lecture during lockdown randomly, um, about horror films and why they make you scared and like the different influences and some people are scared of some things and some people aren't. But there was a bit in the lecture around um, horror soundtracks and uh, the, the way that they play with notes and stuff. And it was centered around the, you know, the psycho stab, the ee, ee, ee. Well, there's a lot of that high pitched stuff in the shine. And again, not really picking it up until I watched it the other day. And it was that like, you know, that really like high shrieky piano note, like, and it, Right. It's, but it's, it's jargy. You sort of you sort of go wince against it, and you it makes you you know you're trying to sort of concentrate on what's going on in the film. Whereas this is just going, no, look at me, look at me, look at me. And it takes it, it uh-huh. sort of 
discombobulates you a bit. It's still lower <laughs> as well, though. In the start, it's it's lower. It's yeah, not, it's like, it's not, yeah. like those they're going nowadays. They're sort of going for that more almost the piercing right, sort of that, yeah. strings and stuff. But that was just and then it just gradually goes up. And there's some real incredible um, when it sort of goes to the ghosty bits when there's sort of those ghosty the ghosties as I call them. Um, <laughs> there's it's sort of like you know the beginning of Ghostbusters that library scene the that sort of thing they sort of that must yeah. be where they stole some of this music from because it does have that sort of eeriness to it but you know i've got to do john's bit you know if, for those who don't know what this movie is about essentially jack torrance um played by jack nicholson is um getting a job at, a, at the overlook hotel and um, looking after it for like a long it's a long winter as well long right He's basically there to make sure that the boiler that um, heats different parts of the hotel so the boiler doesn't explode. That's pretty much it. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's the job. And he's bringing along his um, his wife and his uh, his son. And his son has um, what he discovers is The Shining. Obviously, we're not going to talk about the book, are we, Matt? But obviously, the book centers around um, Danny and uh, the Torrance and The Shining, whereas Stanley Kubrick is explored um almost as the hotel as a separate as this complete entity which is just it's it's one of the best ghost stories i suppose i think ever told um but at the heart of it is it's kind of just pulling people's strings and pulling um mainly his strings to kind of manipulate him in into kind of destroying his life and keeping them at the hotel it's just incredible that's a big thing though the, the hotel is like one of the main events in this movie, isn't it? It's like it's like a character in itself, yeah. where it's sat, where it's situated. Like I know, obviously, the hotel out outside shots are, are different, and a lot of it was filmed in our street studios with sets and stuff, and and everything. Although it's just so set out and and so clever, just you know, it's weird. It's like it's it's filmed in Elm Street Elm Street Studios, but um. I've been to one of the hotels that inspired it. So they literally just took the lobby from there, went to Yosemite National Park, and there's a hotel right in the middle of that. And the lobby and the lifts and all that are just literally pulled out of that and they're just rebuilt. Really? Yeah. And I went there and I was like, I was so confused because I was like, I'm sure this is all filmed in England. Like, what the? Yeah, it wasn't so much later when I watched documentaries and stuff, but they kept everything. This was probably when I visited, was about mid 2000s and it was all exactly the same they hadn't changed anything and i was like that's really weird so he must have just like taken like uh, you know pictures and stuff. Pieces. yeah yeah and just, like, and just assembled them back in in the uk you know so he, really... it, apparently the sound stages were fucking huge they used for it as well you can tell just looking at it, i was just in all yeah. time around looking at the sets and stuff and thinking like they they made they made all that you know <laughs> just these vast spaces that you just and and the camera's all like super low all the time and that like especially when he's like going behind danny and he's riding on his drive that sound as well though the sound is just like because it was an interesting review i saw after watching dr sleep i just checked out some reviews and stuff and they they someone commented and said the hotel is built to plan like in the dr sleep like they got the same blueprints and everything yeah that's sick that but in Doctor Sleep, it doesn't feel no way as vast as it does no. shining. 
And I think it's all to do with the lenses and stuff that Kubrick was using. He really knew knew how to fill the frame, you know. Whereas like Mike Flanagan, as good as he is, he's he's no Kubrick, so it's kind of like it was a lot smaller on the screen. And and the fact was like pretty much zero, like zero special effects. Yeah, zero. Pretty much. <laughs> I think there's one special effects they used um, that throughout the whole film, and it's just like they pulled that off, you know. Without all the, trickery and stuff like that, he just knew what he was doing, didn't he? The following of Danny and stuff of where he goes, like again watching documentaries and just the the way he goes around the hotel, it it doesn't make any sense because he goes around and no, like, the angles are wrong, and every I time think... he goes around, he goes a different way, but the hotel sort of moves around him essentially. Right. And you you go on well, hang on. if you really sit and think about it, you shouldn't really be able to go down that corridor because there should be a wall there. Yeah, they say that about the uh, the office. He has interview in, in and stuff. There's no way there should be a window behind where he has the boss yeah. interview. Yeah. And like, I think it's all deliberate. Like he's he's messing with your brain. Like you're 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 already thrown off off kilter almost. You know what I mean? Like it's probably not on a subcon- subconscious level. It's all quite jarring to you. you probably don't pick up when you're watching him, but your mind is like this. Like that, this time I'm watching it, I was thinking like this hotel and everything seems so otherworldly. It's like it's in our world, but when they're in it, it feels like they're just shut off from everything. They've almost entered like another dimension almost, like yeah. without even doing a lot. You know, it's like it just feels weird. The whole reality that they're in it right now, it just doesn't feel on the same plane as ours. You know, it's right. Weird. I even get that feeling when she's making that the calls on the radio and stuff like that. It just still feels so disconnected and and away from everything. And you're talking about the the Danny Torrance like tricycle movement and stuff like that when it's the cameras following him around. Yeah. One minute he's on the base with the fucking typewriter writer, and the next thing and he's and it's no cutaway. He's just following him, and he's at the top of the stairs. <laughs> and it's like what the fuck is going on it's like is there a ramp that i missed or something you know it's just it is like it is sketchy and it is moving around and it's with the music and it's the carpet and the even when right again sorry matt but the, the doctor sleep thing they got the the sound wrong even with the moving off the carpet onto the wood because i think that's done so much more cleverly i think in the shining um, and he really sort of really messes with your ears and stuff like that and in your senses when he's sort of like literally just going from carpet to wood, carpet to wood, carpet to wood. But it's it's absolutely just so creepy. And I, I think this time around, I thought the ghostly goings on and the Tony stuff came a lot sooner than I than I remembered. And I, didn't, I, forgot, I forgot about all the stuff that happened in the in the house before and stuff like that. And him actually talking to tony when the you know instead of it's like a a um your special friend or your invisible friend whoever that you your mum just thinks is okay you when you're a kid oh yeah they've just got a you know inv- invisible friend everyone has that you know it's not a mental problem or anything like that so he's got a creepy voice <laughs> he's got a creepy voice but he, when he starts talking to it like in the um in the mirrors and stuff that you're like yeah, but the first time he talks from it talks to it it's fucking like straight off the bat it's like whoa that's fucking creepy <laughs> straight away you're like it's gone straight in very creepy i just don't <laughs> <laughs> he's a little man lives in my mouth <laughs> uh, what's his name is his name jimmy <laughs> <laughs> 
like <laughs> that, that, that sort of leads on to what I was about to say next. Um, th- obviously, I, there's a obviously he, he introduces it as a man going for a job, and you don't really like doesn't really let you in on why he's looking for that job or what their sort of fam- family dynamic is at this moment in time until obviously he goes to the bar and starts talking like after it all starts kicking off. You don't you don't really understand what and I again like obviously watching the film again not realizing how much of a bastard Jack Torrance is from the start. Yeah. Like yeah. Right, right I thought he descends into madness. Actually he's he's a bit of a knobhead when he first came oh, yeah. to the hotel. I wrote it down in my notes. Yeah, yeah, like right because... off this time, I was like, I, I, you think the hotel turns it, but he's already an arsehole before he gets there. You know, like, there's already some, some issues going on. You know, like even in the drive down when they're talking, you kind of get the impression that he's fucking fed up with them already. Yeah, you don't like yeah. it. Yeah, you don't like it. It's like it's, as well. It's like I'm, I've got the job. You're coming up here. No questions asked. No, is that all right? Is this gonna cool? It's just like I'm gonna drag my family in here. Isolation. Don't give two shits. And you're right, it, it is very, it seems like a very selfish yeah. kind of person to begin she, with. But she's quite subserv she's quite subservient as well to actually kind of go and stuff like that. I know it's like it wasn't that far a different time and you support your family and but this almost seems like a large ditch effort for them to actually be a family. And it's like a bit of a, a weird stretch to anyone think that being in isolated for six fucking months is going to solve your fucking marital problems. Uh, but has, hasn't he given up, hasn't he given up alcohol? Yeah, but the re- that's the funny thing. So I don't know which cut you was watching. I watched it. I got a 4K version just recently, and this is probably the first time I watched it. And it's got the extended American cut on there, which is, is I didn't realise, but that is like the only version that's on 4K. And this is a new. I've not seen this before. Like uh, the UK one's about twenty minutes shorter, and there's like a whole extra scene after Danny does his old, you know, talking to Tony and stuff. They bring a social worker in, and she analyzes him, and he's and he says, "When did he start talking to Tony?" And she says, "Oh, that time when Jack came home and he threw his papers all over the room and he lost it, and he just used a little bit too much force and he pulled him up and he broke his arm." <laughs> And oh, yeah, I didn't see that cut this time, but I have no, seen I that cut yeah. in the past. Social workers like, okay, like, like you can tell that like, that's not that's not cool, you know. <laughs> like, so he's and like the reason why he's quit the drink is because he was violent and stuff. That's not a good reason to quit the drink. You should just do it because you want to. That explains just, a lot. That explains a lot, though, doesn't yeah. it? It's just like because, I mean, let's talk about Jack as in his quick deterioration as well. You, deteriorates pretty quick yeah i mean i don't know about time it's a frame. month isn't it it's like a month yeah. oh yeah of course because it comes up one week <laughs> yeah just <laughs> flips the lid pretty early i think that's that's the that is a te- like that's exactly what you're saying is a testament to how kind of quickly he can be manipulated and hasn't isn't it hinted that he's got an essence of the shining as well isn't that a part of it or something like that? Have I mis- misconstrued I that? Missed, i missed that part okay i thought he had something because that because she can't see them but he can. She does see them at the end, though, which I thought yeah. Yeah, it's weird. I thought being like normally films wouldn't do that. They just have her just like be completely ambiguous to it all. Yeah. And her not seeing anything, and or like you know, oh, they're very because it kind of confirms that it's paranormal activity. Usually in a film of this nature, they'd probably think, oh, it's just in his head. This is his representation of what's happening, or blah blah blah. But Kubrick actually 
says by the very end, oh no, yeah, the, the hotel is haunted, you know, in effect. And that's a, that's another thing in the extended cut as well. She runs into a room, like the ballroom, and it's all skeletons just sitting in there, which is a weird oh, one. That's really? not in the UK version. She just runs into this empty hall, hall and there's just millions of skeletons just sitting there. Oh, like, oh, man, I need to see this. Cut. <laughs> it, it's a bit hokey. It's the only thing I was like, oh, maybe when Kubrick went back to do the UK cut, he's like, that doesn't quite hold up. It feels very sort of like ghost house sort of. Oh, okay. like, yeah, it's a bit... It's not really up to the his sort of standard. It was a bit hokey, but I was like, that's interesting. Like, because in the UK version, the only vision she really has is the guy in the fucking bear suit and stuff. Yeah. Which is <laughs> yeah, that's. Explain, can you explain that to me, anyone? <laughs> anyone? A great party, isn't it? That's the other guy that pops up, isn't it? When he's got the axe marked down his down his face. Yeah. yeah. I think back to Jack though. Like in terms of Bim being a complete and utter prick. Like there's a great scene where he's sort of he's been he's clearly procrastinating. He's throwing that fucking uh, ball on the wall, and he's he's just like doing everything he can not to write, even though he he, he wants to write apparently. And then like as soon as she comes in and interrupts him, he's like fucking off and run. And there's no one can do that as well. He's just so particular about the way that he speaks. I mean, it's, sometimes when he gets like a little bit of spittle and all that sort of stuff, it's, it's like. You're talking to you. You're out there by yourself, and you're talking to it like a complete and utter cunt. <laughs> and he picks like the biggest room to write in as well, <laughs> like the biggest room. He's just fucking sitting in a nice warm room. Now I can have the biggest bar I can find, and just fucking you know the biggest room. Just sit there and fucking type away. Selfish, yeah. He couldn't find a nice little like space <laughs> to go in. It's like... He didn't want to make himself to be a dull boy, did he? Oh, yeah. 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 True. <laughs> she's just she's probably the first time that she's come down and just like, I get yeah. on love you. How's your, how's your Brings him up? a sandwich and a drink as well. <laughs> Will you just leave me alone? That's like fuck off, mate. <laughs> There's definitely a difference. There's definitely a difference, obviously. Just to, I know obviously Stephen King has his own views on the film, but the, the book the book does you're sort of more sympathetic to Jack as a character. Because yes, I think so. there's a genuine what wish to be better, right? Because he get he's a teacher. I, mean, I don't. It doesn't really explain he's a teacher in this one, does it? He, he's it more does. of a writer. It touches on it. He used to be a teacher. He does oh, say. Right. It. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And well, I think in the in the book he's like has a go at one of the kids, oh, and then okay. he gets like, investigated and he can't be a teacher anymore. This is why he takes his job because they're on the bones of their ass. Okay. Yeah, and there's, def- there's a history of drinking, and that's why he's. He mentions that, doesn't he? He says this is like the last ditch kind of. Yeah, so there's definitely a. There's more of a descent in, descent into madness. The hotel corrupts him through the book. Whereas this, like, I was just sitting watching, going, Jesus, you're a bastard anyway. And, I was, <laughs> and then I was getting annoyed. And I know it was, again, deliberately done. I was getting annoyed at her. She, I was literally like, No, no, is it? Let's be honest. You're such a drip. Like, well, tell us that it's like it's and obviously, but obviously, because she's kind of in like a helpless situation, though, to be fair. I know, I know, but that's what I'm saying. It's you don't really understand what, why, why are you with like, why have you come up to the hotel with this guy for six months? Like, what, what is going on? Well, he's probably saved the marriage, maybe because the marriage was in jeopardy, and they think this is probably going to be a whole new lease of life and all that. And he'll get back into writing and stuff, and they'll be able to, you know, they'll be able to connect again, you know, is mm-hmm. yeah. Isolation, yeah. If you're a writer and you've got writer's block and you think isolation is the way to go, then I can see that. You know, I, I wouldn't mind being in the uh, 
in the Overlook. I'd rather do that and work at the council. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would have loved the job. I think it's great. I want to talk. I want to treat my wife like that either. There's, there's no Netflix yeah. back then. I remember. Uh, my partner says the same thing. She's a very big fan of the book. And she says, like, that is one of the things that Kubrick's film doesn't do. It's like you have a lot more sympathy for the character in the book. Like you really yeah. feel like the hotel is what's drove him to do this. And you feel sorry. She said by the end. And it's like it's like it, like when his time is up, you actually feel sorry for him. You feel a lot of sympathy because you don't yeah. like, deep down. He's not a bad guy. But in the film, Jack Nicholson is a cunt through and through, really. Yeah. And he's good at it. And this is the one thing that wound me up a little bit. Do you know what? I, I watched the, when I watched this this time, and watching the scene when he, when him and uh, Shelley Duvall going up the stairs, and like his mannerisms and his, um, the way he's like delivering that absolutely stunning uh, monologue, I'm like, how the, did this, did he win an Oscar? And then I realised that this whole, this movie didn't even get a fucking nod this year and i'm like what and then i realized that obviously horror movies at the time were yeah it was quite lambasted at the time as well people it got yeah. scathing reviews i don't think anyone yeah. liked it when it came out yeah because yeah. like i read the the horror movies is like the red-headed stepchild i suppose back then <laughs> well, he was, i think he was on yeah, kubrick was on the back foot as well Oh, sorry, John. <laughs> also, joking there somewhere, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, he's on the back foot because he just made. I think he just come out of Barry Lyndon that didn't perform very well at the box office at all. No. So they kind of like, wow, it's Kubrick. He can still do what he wants. And this was his baby, wasn't it? This was like, yeah, uh, yeah. He was looking for like a meal ticket, like a, a sure success. Yeah. And uh, I don't, I still don't think it did that well when it came out. It didn't. No, I think you're right. Yeah, I was hoping for. Yeah, mm. it might have been ahead of. He's always ahead of the curve, anyway. I think a little bit, isn't it? I think like, but, like the the thing as well. It's it's amazing to hear how that bombed when it came out. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, crazy. It is nuts, man. It's but it's it's just it, it that scene is just terrifying when he's like grabbing and doing all that sort of stuff but and then she, oh, she the line it's got the line like i know there's the famous line right but that the line of i'm not going to hurt you i'm gonna bash your brains in <laughs> i was i was like that's brilliant i'll remember that the, yeah. the next time the wife uh, starts on me i was like yes but yeah <laughs> no what a line what a line but she she wound me up for eight for years i watched this and i don't know why i always thought she was like you said a drip and that always wound me up that she was such a such a drip. But even to a fucking run, I used to that used to annoy me at the end when she was just like running around like that. But I'm just like, actually, she's fucking exhausted. She's physically exhausted. She's probably not eating for ages. It's just fucking nuts that she's probably just like seeing all these weird, starting to see all this weird stuff. And obviously, like with John's uh, with John's. Uh, cut that he watched when he she saw all the fucking skeletons as well. She's having a freaky time, so I, I kind of get I let her off on this on this viewing. I think I actually think that Shelley Duvall this time around does a bit better performance than Jack Nicholson, if I'm honest. Yeah, I, I, can't. <laughs> <laughs> I was so to believe every amount of fear that you're feeling right now, like every emotion you're emoting. I was like, I, I thought she did a flawless job, and yeah. I'll say. Jack does get a little bit hammy at times. He does kind of press the crazy doll a little bit too too much in certain areas. Like, 
it maybe you after you've seen like other performances from him and you start comparing it to like um the Joker and stuff like that. <laughs> you've seen him sort of outreach. I don't know. That, this, if you think of Jack Nicholson, this is what, what in my mind I always think of when I think of Jack Nicholson is this performance though. So yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean in her in her face as well, it she does look like she has genuine fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Did you would treat her like a piece of shit though. Didn't everybody on set treat her like an absolute yeah. waste of time? Got, time? I've got lots on that at the end. All right, sorry. <laughs> <All right. laughs> it was a bit of a tyrant, wasn't he? So you can't yeah. do quite a bit. But going back to when he's like, I'm going to assume they brush your brains and stuff. There's a lot of foreshadowing in the dialogue, I thought, which kind of creates a lot of tension. Like the bit when Danny goes into, oh, is it? No, no. Oh, no, he's asleep at the desk and she wakes him up. I think, and he's like, I just had a horrible dream. I just dreamt I chopped you all up into little pieces. It's a little moment of like, well, obviously he's, he, he's having a horrible dream. It's that little moment of, I dreamt that I was going to kill you and I'm really sorry. And then she's like, oh, that's, and he's like, get out of my face. It's that tiny moment where you think, oh, he's actually, he is actually, oh no, he's not, he's a twat again. <laughs> <laughs> we got we got to talk about room two three seven. Yeah, that scene, the 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 famous scene. It's the, whatever, I think they're using cowbells or something like that. I think it's cowbells. I'm not really sure. They must when he's you you know that bit where he's like coming and sucking his thumb, and it's like there's always that switchback. I think it's they use it again with the the twins and stuff like that as well when they twins, the twins. Yeah. and you get that sort of the, there's some kind of cowbells i think or some something that they're they're spinning um to make that sound where it's just so fucking visceral you know something's fucked up and they do it whenever he goes past that that room and but obviously something did she she must have done something to him pretty you know (laughs) just just saying oh no is it not greedy's wife is that the woman in the tub I don't think it is. I don't think no. it's Grady's wife. No. You no. never see Grady's wife, but although she died. And obviously she died. Whoever this woman died in the bathtub, yeah? If I would have presumed that woman in the bathtub would have been like a um, a suicide or something. That's yeah, what that's what I've always thought. That's what I've always thought. Grady says, like, I, I had to, uh, what's he, what does he say? Correct. I had to correct my wife when she interrupted me correcting my daughters. So I'd imagine he would have just chopped her up with, with the ex as well. To be yeah. There. Um, that's a creepy scene with that woman in the bathtub, though. Like, this the um, kind of similar to X with the editing. Like, one minute when he, he embraced and then it edits to her rising up out of the bathtub. Mm. Like, yeah. it's a shot of her coming up, and she's just like a horrible looking hag, isn't it? But it's just something about those shots, just like really good, eerie, just like really under my, got under my skin. I was like, that's so weird for like a mainstream movie just to interject these random shots of just like i don't know it's, it's just something really creepy about that imagery when she's just coming up out of the bath and just making these horrible sounds and stuff and then cut, yeah. <laughs> cut back to him in the mirror like embracing her and she's covered in scabs and it's just like that's what? the thing it, it quickly takes you from that oh she's pretty hot <laughs> <laughs> Quite leggy, but grin. instantly bang she's like it's little this, gr- He's a little grim when he stood there like there's someone in the bath and then she gets out and he's like, look, and he's like, ah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you see it in his eyes. Like, um, <laughs> yeah. oh. 
what makes you wonder that when he goes back to to Shelley after why why doesn't he say anything? Why does he why is he so secretive about it? He doesn't say, oh, yeah, you know what? I saw some fucking nasty hags just down there. <laughs> Let's not go down there. <laughs> I'm yeah, I just, sure I just the same person to... that fucking grabbed hold of Danny. <laughs> Yeah. He said he just doesn't say anything. I just thought that was odd. Like, or maybe because he was like copping off with her and stuff, I and mean, you wouldn't want to tell anyone, I guess, after that. He was having a bit of a drink before then, or in his mind he was having a drink, so yeah. maybe he thought he was hallucinating. Oh, maybe. Yeah. I did feel sorry for him at one stage in this one, only there was one moment when she was obviously the sucking of fun, and then she instantly blames him, because who else could it be? And I'm like, and he's, and it's like, uh, yeah, but that, he... that, that explains a lot when John sends cut he watched about um, him flipping out at Danny at the start. So it's like, yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. That's why you, the, the one he's thing I previous. did find. He's kind of frozen, uh, isn't he? When she's yeah. having a go at him, he's kind of frozen. He's just staring in the day. He's very quick to go, it was him. It was you. No one else. Maybe he's like, did I do something? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then obviously that that cut explains a lot where they've explored his past of being, you know, a bit of an arsehole in the past. So he says it at the bar, doesn't he? He's saying I never touched him. I wouldn't hurt him hair on his head, apart from this time when I did hurt him. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. I don't know. There's some good bits. And obviously, you know, we've got to talk about the door scene. The famous, here's Johnny. And it was what, Johnny Carson or something like that? That's what it's based on. Yeah, yeah. But that was that ad libbed or was it in the script? No, it was that like, was ad libbed. That's ad libbed, yeah. yeah. And that's, that's like awesome. one of the most yeah. famous used <laughs> scenes in like any fucking pop culture that you can possibly imagine. It's fucking crazy. That's the amount of times. I and mean, the shine's been like used and abused in like so many different like so many different things. It's it's like it is just synonymous. Um, but the, the the cutbacks to when he's swinging the axe, it's so effective in that scene. I love that. Um, and her terrifying constant weird whimpering moans just don't forget like, don't forget wendy i'm home as well. <laughs> a classic. but she she makes it i think more than him she makes that scene because it's it's unset she makes it completely unsettling uh, yeah it's 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 crazy and then she cuts him like, i'm gonna cu- cut you again <laughs> we need to talk about uh, just real briefly go back just a tiny bit and talk about halloran as well oh yeah we haven't really touched on anything because obviously this is where we find out about the shining as a as a thing mm. yeah i know as a character what do you think about him being in there does it explain a lot i mean does you know obviously we get to the point point where he sees uh foresees something bad happening uh how do you feel about that bit of a pedo maybe <laughs> Well, he's, he's a bit of a dirty dick with his artwork and his, uh, his bedroom, right? <laughs> he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a lad, isn't he? He is a proper lad. Um, he is there to help him, clearly, obviously. I mean, he's a dedicated man, that's for sure. I'm like, yeah. get on, on a flight, on a fucking snowmobile, literally <laughs> travel the land just to get fucking Action. done. <laughs> no, but surely if he was that good with The Shining himself, he'd have known something bad was going to happen, so he wouldn't have left them at all. Hmm. Yeah, so I always thought that. I was like, why did you leave them? You well, this, is the, this is the thing I want to ask you. With that, with him being a character in there, obviously they had to explain that kind of thing about the shining to an extent. Was it is his part significant to the actual movie? 
I think so. I think he's. I mean, he's not just there for exposition. I mm. think you know. Uh, uh, I think he's there as a uh, you, vicariously. You're watching him through his eyes almost as the audience mm. member. So uh, it's a very strange film, isn't it? Like the very the whole, the whole reason why the host ever attacks him as quickly as it does, does is because Danny's got this gift. So he's making contact with. Yeah, does he wake it up? Yes, I think that's the what, like what, he wakes it up quite. I know the sinister force is there, but it accelerates because uh, they've talked about previous shit obviously happening in this hotel before. Obviously. Yeah. Mm. But, but he's but because Danny's there, and I think they do. Grady says it, doesn't he? He's got a talent, and that talent could be used to. Yeah, yeah Grady's a racist it. bastard as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. strange watching that scene in the current uh, day. Yeah, that was very <laughs> visceral, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, it's like I imagine they would have had caretakers there previously. It's like Grady wasn't the one, but right before Jack was he? So there, there must have been other people that came to look after the Overlook, and they was okay, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Halloran, you could have just told us a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, every year someone has to come and be the caretaker. Is that is he there to create more tension though? Because I remember watching that. I was just like when he's on his travels and stuff, and you think, mm. hurry up, hurry up, get to yeah. the hotel. So it could be just a a way to create more tension there. The fact that he True. goes away to Florida and comes back again, and it's like, yeah, it's pretty uh, futile his rescue attempt, isn't it? <laughs> Hello. Ah! <laughs> you think that's a really poor like business model as well be only been open like half the year <laughs> well he looks like he's living the king like a king for the other six months <laughs> i know it's like obviously it's a decadent hotel and stuff but they're missing the ski season aren't they <laughs> they, do, they do address that this time i don't know if it's just in the extended cut with extra bit of dialogue but jack torrance when he takes the job he says to the manager he says wouldn't this be ideal like for, for skiing and stuff oh, really and yeah, and he says it's too treacherous with keeping the roads clear and stuff. It's just that it's, fucking makes sense, doesn't it? It's just too much snow. It's just like when we initially built this hotel, it's only really for whining and dining, such purposes, not for skiing. It's just we haven't got the infrastructure. I mean, there is a lot of snow. Yeah, all the way up the freaking. Yeah, hill. but a bit of investment over the years, they make <laughs> enough money. They could have fucking put a ski lift in there or something. I think they're just missing a trick. <laughs> <laughs> Why did they build it on Indian Indian burial grounds? Oh fucking hell, that old classic. You have to write that one in. Loves yeah. an Indian was, burial ground. Was that in the book, or was that? I wonder what came first. I can't remember, John. I think it might have been in the book. I'm sure, it's in the book. I, I wonder I what came because I think this and Poltergeist. Well, Poltergeist was eighty-two, I think, wasn't it? So Poltergeist must have nicked that from this. But what about Pet Cemetery? I think it was plenty. Oh, Indian burial ground again. <laughs> Where did the ghosts come from? Ah, just make them Indian ghosts. We'll be, we'll be alright. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of that reference in. It's surprising there isn't more of them walking around in it, like oh, <laughs> with a tomahawk <laughs> coming out. Great, Grady would have went mental. <laughs> Fucking hell, yeah. The maze. The maze. <laughs> the maze. Yeah. yeah. That yeah, the the maze is staggering, and it's it's all the better. There's a bit of a weird scene, a bit of a weird one on the maze when they're in there, and he's looking over at a model of it, and then yeah. he and then it sort of shoots it as if he can see them. That's why I thought that he had the shining or a little bit of the shining. I thought they were like insinuating they did, but yeah, that it's a pretty cool fucking maze, um, and it's a great setting for like getting lost and planting him there and being frozen and stuff like that that's it's it's, yeah. a, it's a great sort of ending I, I completely forgot really that danny 
commits manslaughter of his own father. <laughs> <laughs> like I again watching it, I thought, yeah, he goes because again, the, the, that's different of the book. The ending of the book is completely different of the film. But the yeah, he, I remember him chasing him in the maze. But I can't remember Danny going. You know what? I'm going to cover the snow tracks and I'm going to get out of here, and he's going to be screwed. Um, like I can't just kill your dad. Honest, I mean, I think they're relationship might be in tatters at that point you know what i mean like i don't think there's much of a connection with him and danny anyway it seems yeah. that's the problem he can't he can't really converse with his son there's no there's no bond there i think that's probably one of the issues he's dealing with he's got his family yet he feels disconnected from them almost so and i know and if, if you know i mean danny's only four isn't he or four or five i guess and like if your dad's chasing you with an axe and ready to chop you up i'm I don't know. I'm not really con- contemplating too much. So if he's on top trumps, I'd give him a lot for uh, for mental. Like he mentally knows what he's doing, covering up his tracks. I was saying this to my partner. So it's probably one of the first movies of uh, the, one of the only movies where you focus around a central character, which loses his mind and decides to kill his own family. I don't think that's ever been done before. Like Amateurville. Maybe, yeah, Amateurville, maybe. She said that. I don't remember them plotting to kill each other in that. I just thought it was like spooky stuff was going on. He, he just kind of gets possessed, doesn't he, by something and tries well, to Ryan Reynolds kill kills, Ryan Reynolds kills them all in the, in the remake, doesn't he? Yeah, I think he turns into a bit of a nutter. Oh, That's way it? after, isn't it? <laughs> right, I've not seen the Amateurville remake, I don't know. Don't bother. <laughs> Great. <laughs> But yeah, what what about this picture at the end? Like he's in the picture at the end. Does that mean he's just been absorbed into the hotel? I put it down as reincarnation. Like every so so years, he's come back. It's like it's like a, on a loop, like a time loop. Like it's like yeah, I don't know. I just because like when he says to him, "You've always been the caretaker." When he's like talking to Gray, yeah. like as he like generations way back, like his ancestors or something. Has he been there before? Because he even says at one point when he goes in there, I feel like this. I've been here before. I feel like I know this place already. Like I'm thinking, like his bloodline generations way back. Has he been there before and like had no knowledge? It's only, it's only been built in 1907. Yeah, the picture says 1920 or something. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird, but there, yeah, that just in lines when he says, I definitely feel like I know this place. Like I've been here before. And then Grady saying to him, Yeah, you've always been the caretaker and stuff. It's like that's yeah. It's weird. I don't know what, what, what it's alluding to. That Maybe it's a different well, I, I've person. sort of inferred a bit from Dr. Sleep, where by when he goes to the bar and he sits at the bar, his dad serves him. Oh, yeah. You know, in, in that, in, and then he sort of become part of the hotel. Oh, okay. And he's, then he's always part of the hotel. Did you think, like, like almost like he gets absorbed, like, well, so oh, that's yeah. absorbed into it, and now he's always been the caretaker because he's the caretaker. Because oh, really, he's not the caretaker, is he? He's the butler. It moves around, it distorts yeah. itself around whoever the the next sort of victim is, essentially. Oh, that's interesting because if you think about it, like in, in the ghost world, like there's probably no concept of time. Time is just a fleeting thing. So although he might have been absorbed by the hotel in like 1980. He could have popped up in the picture taken in 1920. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's how the afterlife probably works, you know, probably like time is only relative on this plane, you know? Yeah, man. Yeah, so although he's died, 
he's now in that picture. So I, I always assume, and obviously the, the hotel shuts down and things, but I always sort of thought that the next person that will come in would then encounter mm-hmm. the same thing. Right. With different characters. Like the, the hotel sort of adding souls to itself, essentially. Oh, okay. Adding, adding strength by right. destroying lives, essentially. Yeah, I mean, that picture could be just a, a, a gallery of lost souls, really, when you think about it. Like, it's co- collated over time. Yeah. It's probably Kubrick just being a twat, making people like us talk about it. <laughs> but yeah. Still talking about it all this time later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, come on. We, we chatted and chatted and chatted. Let's, uh, I want to get on to some Matt's facts. I want to hear some fucking some shit that you've uh, pulled apart from this. You must have a few, right? I have got a, I have got a few. I mean, you know, there's so many different facts and stuff about deep dives on it. I mean, there's a whole fucking documentary that I know you guys have, have watched Room 237 and stuff like that. It just is mega deep dive. Like, yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, those fucking, those guys who did that i mean they must that must have been a piss take documentary they must have had these guys on reddit and just pulled them in and just thought yeah let's put them on camera isn't but, there like one time when he's talking to the wrong guy on the phone <laughs> and his kids are suffering to kick it off in the yeah back. yeah like, oh, it's my kid i watched that and i was like is this something spooky is this gonna be like ooh while i was investigating the shining kid goes to pee or something no i was like shut up <laughs> I, was, I was listening i thought was my neighbors kicking off <laughs> yeah you have to take some of those theories of a pinch of salt i think oh yeah definitely <laughs> i mean i i watched the um documentary that was on my blu-ray edition which was very short but it gives you a little insight into some like behind the scenes footage and stuff which was really cool if you haven't watched it uh, if it's on your Blu-rays or 4Ks, have a look at that because it's quite interesting. It only lasts about 20 minutes, but it's like proper behind the scenes. Literally, you're watching Jack Nicholson brush his fucking teeth. Uh, yeah, and there's a famous scene where he's hyping himself up to do the axe scene and stuff. Nearly fucking takes some guy's head off of the axe. <laughs> but um, it does. I mean, there's all that. There's all these things about Shelley Duvall being like, obviously being treated like shit and stuff. But in the small documentary, even in that, you you kind of see she's a little bit of a diva in places where she's kind of playing up to it a lot. But I'll go through some shit that, I mean, I don't even know if half this stuff is true, but I'm going to go through a couple of bits. Um, so script changes. There were so many changes to the script during shooting. Uh, a scene change was made almost daily that Jack Nicholson claimed he stopped reading it. And he says this in the documentary. And he would read only the new pages that were given to him each day. Nicholson also said that eventually, when presented with a revised scene, he would throw it in the trash, knowing there was another one coming in anyway. Literally, on the documentary, you see Kubrick typing up on different coloured paper. So uh-huh. when you get to the a certain colour, that's the final one. Yeah. Nicholson was just like, I'll just wait for the final colour. Because <laughs> like, there's so many rewrites. And like literally, and this is Kubrick. Obviously, this is a time where he's literally using a typewriter to do the scripts wow. and it's just fucking he's there right in front of him typing the fucking script out script out again which was pretty it's crazy. weird because you imagine he'd be quite meticulous and stuff but i think he kind of like he's intuitive like when he gets on the set yeah and he's like getting the feel for it he kind of navigates it there and then like full metal oh, wings it a bit even a lot of full metal jacket dialogue actors and that were just improvising he's like good keep that and throw that in the stuff and you think yeah. like you're like no i've written it this way but he's very much adapting to how it's rolling you know yeah i think nicholson had a lot 
to do with it as well. A lot of improvisation in that. Um, so a bit on the Shelley Duval again. So despite Stanley Kubrick's fierce demands on everyone, Jack Nicholson admitted to having a good working relationship with him. It was Shelley Duval that he would completely uh, have a different director approach. He allegedly picked on her more than anyone else seen in the documentary The Making of Shining, which I saw, uh, and Stanley Kubrick, A Life in Pictures, it was made in 2001. He would really lose his temper with her, even going too far to say that she was wasting the time of everyone on set. And there's actually a snippet in the documentary on that. It's pretty crazy. Oh, and uh, she later reflected that she was probably pushing her to her limits. But she does claim that it's like one of the best films she's ever worked on, ever will work on. And he got the best out of her. I mean, she was fucking losing sleep, crying, crying so much. She had like literally 20 bottles of water by the side of her. Literally, he, she was losing hair, um, going through shit, like a lot of, a lot of shit um, for it. It was, it was worth it. Mm. Um, some other roles, like literally Stanley Kubrick considered Robert De Niro and Robert Robin Williams for the role of Jack Torrance. How different would that be? <laughs> oh, I'd have liked to see Williams at it. <laughs> but he decided against them. Kubrick did not think that De Niro would suit the role after watching his performance in Taxi Driver in 1976. And he deemed De Niro as not psychotic enough. Uh, and Williams, it would not suit the role after watching his performance in Mork and Mindy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Also, Kubrick did briefly consider Harrison Ford. That would have been interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I could see, yeah. I tried to pull some facts as well that that were kind of ones maybe you've not heard of, which I thought was quite quite funny. So during the the grueling shoot... Um, the Wimbledon tennis tournament was in full swing in the UK, and Jack Nicholson is an avid fan of tennis. So basically, he had to find a way to take time out to attend to the court. So he he basically made out he had a back pain and asked for a few days off. Um, because of the star status, Stanley Kubrick granted him the break. Unfortunately for Jack, Kubrick later saw him on the production <laughs> TV set, seated in the Wimbledon crowd, like two women. <laughs> And apparently Kubrick was apparently furious about the whole incident, <laughs> which is fucking brilliant. I love that. They just like, oh, fuck it. I want to go to Wimbledon, mate. See you later. Just like anyone phoning in sick, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, totally, man. Nice. Um, so I've just got a little bit more on, on the shooting times. So, so you, obviously you get all these like rumours and stuff about what the kind of shooting times and how many takes and all this stuff. So I've written this down that I've found on the internet on, on various different things and situations that happened on the film and how many times, right? So hear this out. So the elevator scene, apparently they had to do three takes for that elevator, blood elevator through the scenes. And each take took nine days long to shoot. So that's three times. Um, the door acts three days. And apparently, allegedly, they reckon there's 60 doors used on that because he kept breaking through the doors really easy because they were kind of plywood. And apparently, Jack Nicholson used to be a fireman, so he was taking the doors down just too easy. <laughs> Fucking crazy. Wendy with the bat, basically going up the stairs. Apparently, 127 takes. Fuck it that scene Eventually. And now you can see, Paul, what you're on about earlier, about the way she's running, the way she's just exhausted, because it's probably fucking true. Um, the famous ball scene with Danny, where the ball rolls in front of him. 
50 takes. Wow. This is crazy. This, uh, so Scatman, um, who plays um, Halloran, um, the chat alone that he has with Danny, 140 takes. The tour yeah. around the hotel that he's talking with Shelley at the start, 85 takes. His death, 40 takes. But Kubrick wanted 70 at least. And apparently, old man Scrubber, like Scatman, was like literally so fucked that apparently Jack um, stepped in and said, enough is enough. He needs to... <laughs> Literally, the guy was in tears. Yeah, I heard that. I heard he was like, it out. Yeah, um, the limit. He was just like, "Why yeah. so many takes?" And Kubrick's like, "Don't ask why. I just do it." Like, yeah. it's just like again, again, again. It's Even just... in the documentary, like he he sat there and he said, "Oh, how is it?" And he he starts crying, and they say, "Why are you crying?" He's like, "I just love being on this set," and you know it's not. It's because it's, like... <laughs> <laughs> it's in the documentary. Tears rolling down his fucking cheeks. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> Fuck it out. Is it William Freaking? He did the Exorcist. Yeah. And he's another one like that, like shooting off shotguns to get a reaction out yeah. of one stuff, slapping people around the face to make them cry and stuff. Just... Yeah. <laughs> oh, if you man. want a decent movie, you've got to go hard, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. definitely. Um, I've heard all like loads of different rumors about as well about Kubrick everybody running to get out of the fucking studios as quick as possible because <laughs> he used to drive on the same one lane road to get out of there and if they all got stuck they'd be stuck behind kubrick who drove at like 20 miles an hour <laughs> so they'd all be running for their fucking cars apparently at the end of the call sets at like fucking four in the morning quick get to your fucking car Danny's on the road don't know how true that is but it sounds fucking awesome it's and, yeah, the body count is only two. Yeah. That's it. I will say my only negatives in the movie, though, is that jump cut. The frozen jack at the end. I don't, I don't like that. It, it, a little bit corny. Yeah, it? a little bit. A little yeah. bit. It's, it, yeah, I don't know. Just, it doesn't, yeah. I suppose the idea is it's meant to be shocking. Like, ta-da, he's dead. But yeah. <laughs> Just, it's just like, poor boss is just sitting there frozen. Yeah, definitely like, his cum cool face. Up his nose. <laughs> yeah. Definitely his cum face. Yeah. Quality stuff. That is uh, <laughs> that is the Shining review. That's not what? fucking bad, is it? Yeah. Quality stuff. What we um, anyone got any other, uh, anything else apart from ten for this movie or? Not really. No. Nah, it's, it's, it's 10 all day, isn't it? Yeah. 10, 10, 10, yeah. mate. Awesome. And do you know what? Do you know what? Just like it, it is, it's one of the films that will rewards multiple viewings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, every time you watch it, and I, I, it's interesting you guys say you watch it every year, it's it's definitely going to go into my sort of cycle of watching mm-hmm. it because it's just, it, it just needs to be watched every, like all the time. Even the, way, even the ways you watch it. Like, yeah. I literally put it on like in the summer. Because Kate wanted to watch it, my wife, I was like, I'll put it on the projector. So I slung it on the projector, and literally, because it's just such a big, wide screen, yeah. it was beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. And I've cranked up the stereo, can have it as loud as I want, with no neighbors can hear. So I was just like, it's just amazing. You can watch it so many different ways. This is the first time I've watched it since we started the pod, because I knew we were going to do it at one stage. So I've kept it, you know, in the back pocket for quite a few years. So it's, it's, fucking good to tear open again and get back to it 
I said to you before when we was texting, like I was quite stumbled that he was going to pull out the bag for the hundredth episode because I couldn't think of any more <laughs> yeah. big hitters that you haven't really covered. You know, so it's quite. I mean, we've talked about it, yeah. in, in, like fa- favorite bits and stuff, and obviously we talked about it heavily when we did Doctor Sleep as well. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, it's good. It's good to do a deep dive, especially with you two coming on as well. Like, Cracking. Brilliant stuff. Yeah, it's pretty much episode 100 done. We just need episode 101 now. We're going to carry on. And we're going to let John do our uh, pick for the move from the vault. So let's uh, see. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I can get hold of it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Do you want to go dark or do you want to go light? I went a bit dark last time, didn't you? A bit too dark for comfort. Yeah, you was a bit unnerved with the one I picked up. <laughs> well, Henry, Henry Portrait was so Fuck it out. Yeah. Uh, that was something. Do what you got to do. <laughs> Henry Paul Chatter, serial, serial Killer Part 2. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. What's the other one? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm not even seeing Part 2. It's not, it's not very good, I don't think. Anyway, um, I don't know. Let's go light. Let's give you uh, a film called Brain Damage. Ooh. Oh. Have I seen that? I don't think so, but the, your episode previous, you was talking about how much you love Basket Case and stuff, and this is by the same director. Mm. It's not brain dead. It's not brain dead then. No, it's not brain dead. This is brain damage. Damage. Yeah, I think you, I I like this more than Basket Case. I think it's really cool. So brain I'll, damage. All I'll right. Say too much. I want you to go in blind on this one, and I'll, okay. I'll be interested to see what you make of it. I love the title. Already, <laughs> so yeah, I'll run up for that. Plus, you've got brain damage. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right that's good all right cool episode 101 okay so that's for episode 100 oh cheers john paul that was fucking cracking yeah that's brilliant having you guys on and yeah. uh to, to to celebrate our 100th and no doubt you'll be on again soon definitely that was good fun enjoyed that it was good <laughs> yeah <laughs> thanks for having me and to anyone listening that was a long one so I hope you're still oh. with us. <laughs> well, it was that. There's a long, there's a long one. All, it always is when I'm on here. I think I thought I ramble too much. I think the one, that, the one we did with the fly is like almost three hours long. I think. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. It's all good. All right. Cheers for listening. Come back. We're ready to do 100 more episodes. Plenty more action to be done. We have got some good surprises coming in the uh, in the next uh, on the next one so uh, look out for our competition as well we're going to be doing a competi- competition online across the social media so there's going to be some freebies I've pulled out a load of shit that I've gotten over the years and literally it'll be a competition <laughs> of loads of shit movies and stuff Matt could find in his office you really really want it but that's hand things okay so on to next episode episode 101 We've got our movie. Uh, we're going to be doing uh, more. <laughs> we're going to be doing Morbius, the Living Vampire, um, and then for our move from the vault, John has pulled brain damage for us to look at. Can't fucking wait. <laughs> Paul, Paul, I think you are going to love it. Have you seen it? I've not seen it, but I used to work with a lad who was a massive fan. So I sort of, and he used to draw stuff like uh, in the shop and he did a brain damage picture. Oh, very good. Something I'm not going to spoil, but yeah, yeah, Paul, it's right up your street now. Awesome. Can't wait. There's only one more thing to say. When there's no more room in hell, here's another podcast. I am the devil and I am here to do the devil's work. 
You can follow us on Twitter at DrawOneLast, Instagram at DrawOneLastBreath, or pop us an email at DrawOneLastBreathPod at Hotmail.com.